Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing for NRL Tour. Another big week of Rugby League Boxhead and we are back for round seven heading into round eight origins getting closer things are becoming more clear as the year goes on one thing for certain as we've said most weeks it's still very obvious at the moment to see who the top three teams are yeah outside of that it's pretty confusing isn't it it is very, very, confusing. very confusing so a few sides have been up and down and uh but yeah those those top three remain strong i think there's a few underneath them that have been fairly consistent but they're still not up to that that top level but uh, it's again going to be interesting as we uh, hit Origin uh, and then the back end of the season. Who can, I guess, keep track with those top sides? I think there's two interesting sides for me. Uh, the Dragons started all the drama, all the furor. They're obviously missing two marquee players realistically, and Gareth Widop, who we know in a way was a blessing in disguise, but still never helps when you've got a million dollars out of your cap that could be elsewhere. And then obviously the Jack the Bell and Saga goes on. So for me, they've really impressed me considering yeah. what's happened. And the other ones are Sharks. Uh, I like the young kids. I said, you know, I'd put them back in the eight. The injury toll, I know the result in the weekend wasn't that impressive, but considering so far what they've had to deal with, I think they've been pretty good. Yeah. Agreed. I just hope that the injuries don't ruin their season. And it looks looks as though it's probably likely it is going to, isn't it? Because it's just never ending at the moment. Yeah. Those two, obviously Canberra's been impressive, but those two in particular, considering what they've faced so far, uh, have impressed me. But one seems to be on the up considering, and the other one's just... Heaping more baggage on, unfortunately, in the Cronulla Sharks with those injuries. But we jump into our set of six, as we always do. Six thoughts, questions, topics, statements, anything that comes to our mind from the week. And I guess the first one to bring up, and I found this weird to read yesterday about Nicarima. We know Cody Nicarima, the halves at Brisbane, have been a hot topic. We've talked before that in the future, they've got a couple of halves coming through. Tom Dearden being one who's very, very close. Tenor Boyd, another junior representative, he's played Australian. Queensland in their 20s. They've got Corey Pay, who's another half. They've got a couple of guys that are there. But in particular, the two big names have been Tom Dearden, Tanner Boyd. This week, after Cody Nicarima has been playing, I guess, okay football to start the year or steady football. Now he's out suddenly this week. He's got a calf injury he apparently had last week. Short turnaround, he's being rested. While at the same time, there's all these rumours and murmurs that he's heading to the New Zealand Warriors effective immediately mm. or at least next year. Interesting. Oh. Very sudden change. I think Nick Kareem has had more than enough time to establish himself as a starting seven at the Broncos. That's all I'll say. I don't think his form has been up to where it needs to be in order to hold that spot or cement that spot or cement a an elite contract with the Broncos. So if he's going to get paid bigger and better money at the Warriors and all power to him, I'd be moving as well. Yeah, and I think we've both spoke about this just before we kick this off. I've said to you that I guess given the money he's on right now, I don't think he's been that bad. I think he's had some solid games compared to, say, what Milford's on. I know he's good on the weekend and his money, but out of the two in absolute best form, I, I suppose we both consider definitely Milford the better player. 
I think the big thing here in the mail I got today when looking into this was that they feel that Nicarima is what we think he is, more of a utility player or a six. Not a starting halfback, not the half leading forward. And they would be interested in keeping him, but more for that role. And clearly, he doesn't feel that way. His two-year contract, which a lot of people didn't know about, has an option in it for next year. So he's a free agent technically right now if he wants to be. The thing about it is just how quickly this all of, all of a sudden exacerbated and kicked into gear and all of a sudden we're here and now he could be gone as early as next week. Yeah, that's, so, that's, that's mental. Yeah, That really is mental. So there must have been a conversation happening behind closed doors and, um, you know, he's obviously been told that he's going to probably not, not be given another contract, obviously. so. Well, they don't have the choice to get rid of him. He's got another year left, but clearly... No, but I mean, if he's going to get a better offer elsewhere, then yeah, and he's the probably better off going, but... And and particularly if Dearden goes in and plays well, mm. Brisbane will be more than happy to to see him move on. And clearly wants to be a halfback. The strange thing, I guess, on the flip side of this is I think Chanel Tavita Harris has been quite good early no, doors. He's been very good, considering he's only twenty years old, and they've got him on a, a cheap deal. You've got Blake Green there, only signed a big deal to go over last year, three years potentially around the six hundred six hundred fifty thousand dollar mark. So to hear that they are interested in. Nick Arima, I guess, to go in and partner and get an experienced half. I, I look at the situation the Warriors are in now and the year that's ahead and think I'd rather just press forward with Vita Harris and Green and probably get Nick Arima next year. I wouldn't really want him right now. That's fair. I'm looking yeah, at it thinking fair. I get a year of development and then I come in next year with three halves. We had this conversation over dinner. I think I don't think it's because they want to move Chanel to Vita Harris on. I think it's because no. they want, they're looking at the succession plan for... For Blake Green, the Warriors aren't going to pay significant amount amounts of money for Nick Rambo to be a fourteen. So no, it's obviously half back. yeah, it's to to replace one of the halves, and I certainly don't think it'd be the young kid. But would you see it from the way that I'm coming from that you'd play Tavita Harris the rest of this year with Green, and the next year is Green's last year of contract, and with that being the case, maybe Tavita Harris moves out of the way for a year and keeps developing. But it's it's right, look. Both ways, I don't Realistically, like unless Blake Green wants to leave or unless they want to move Blake Green on, I only see Nicarima going across, providing that Tavita Harris maintains his form into the same position he's in now, basically. Looked at as a 14 until one of them moves. Yeah, like I said, I know, I know they've got the free money, but this clearly they're a big fan of Cody Nicarima. What he's done when he's played for the national team, they want to get him over there. He's a Kiwi boy to play halfback. But with Tavita Harris there and Blake Green still contracted for another year on big money, I don't see Blake Green budging or wanting to go anywhere either. He'll go okay with Stephen Kearney as long as he puts his fucking foot, foot on, on the, the ball. ball, boy. So just very interesting. From the Broncos' perspective, I don't think it, it's a real surprise at all. We've talked about Dean, We've talked about Tanner Boyd. Even Milford's next contract, he's probably going to have to take a haircut unless he doesn't turn things around significantly. But they've got two halves coming through that they like. So for them, this is just another step in the development process. Got a couple of trials in the off-season. Still only 18, 19 years old. Gone into Queensland Cup. Man of the match first game. Apparently the first four or five games he's played has been pretty good. So they're ramping up their development process, clearly getting him ready to be the long-term halfback or an option as one of the long-term halves with Tanner Boyd also pushing in behind there. And they've got a couple other guys pushing through their system. So mm-hmm. uh, just very interesting how it suddenly popped up in you know, 24, 48 hours though. There was nothing on the radar and bang. It's come out of nowhere. Next minute, there's Particularly double... on the back of a win. Yeah, and again, like double the amount of the money. Not seen as a halfback at the Broncos, more of a utility. Still can to keep him, but twice as much money to go overseas. And then from the Warriors' perspective, how are you working this out? Does he play immediately? Is Green on the outer? Do you put Tavet Harris back down even though he's playing quite well and he physically seems like he's ready? Can you push him back for another year and will he be happy with that? I don't think he would be. Mm. So there's a lot of ins and outs to this situation. But 
We move on from that one. Tackle two, mentioned them before. The Sharks' woes, they just continue to get worse. Um, Sean Johnson barely lasts 20 minutes the other night. Gallon's playing busted. Fafita's playing on that bad hamstring and still playing outstanding, may I add. Nakora was suspended. Dugan pulls out before the game kicks off. Moylan out long-term. Woods out long-term. Wade Graham's still not back in the team. Um, it, it all came to a head the other night. Too many kids in the side. It got pretty ugly. I think I've been super impressed so far considering what they've had to overcome. But I thought their effort was fantastic. The big the big thing here is it's not like they are short term injuries. They're not getting two weakers or three weakers and things that are like niggles and blokes are coming back in. Like Woods' foot is a very complicated one. We know with foot injuries there's a lack of blood flow with broken foots. The healing process takes a while. 10, 12 weeks, maybe longer. So you've lost somebody there and you've lost experience. Losing Matt Moylan, he started red hot at fullback at the start of the year, brought some balance to those halves, linked up dangerously with uh, Sean Johnson, eight to 12 weeks with what he ended up having. So, I think John Morris said in the press conference, I watched the press conference after the game, that it was going to be about three weeks before they got anyone back and they just continued yeah. to lose players. So it's this, going to be difficult. This is the hard thing. It's piling on top now and then when they all but come I, back. I don't, I don't look at the Sharks and think, you know, they're going bad. Or, no, they're not, that's know, the thing. I, I think they're overachieving for the roster and the players yes. and the injuries that they've got. Look, they got blown off the park by Brisbane, but Brisbane had a hell of a lot more to play for than Cronulla. They've got a fairly healthy roster, Brisbane. Yeah, and they played so a bunch of kids. They played them exactly. They played, you know, they had a kid thrown in yeah. with a couple of minutes' notice. Ronaldo Mulitalo just got upgraded this week. Who, you know, didn't have his best game, but a lot of pressure. He was, yeah, a, a lot heap of pressure. of pressure and no preparation. So, look, I admire what the Sharks have done mm. over the last month. I think to, to beat Penrith last Thursday, like. Oh, great Penrith, really, they're, they're kidding themselves losing that game when you look at what Brisbane did to them. It's a huge double-edged sword, though, because for me, I look at it and go, I think they could still do something this year if they got all their players in the park and developed these kids. And it's just that the long-term injuries, is it going to be too late when they get everyone back? How's the draw going to work out? How's Origin going to treat them? I know they're probably unaffected given the injuries they've got now and the players off the top of my head, the few that probably would have been considered are injured and Fafita's playing for Tonga. But is it is it just too much to overcome? I don't know. But it certainly hasn't eased off. Sean Johnson now possibly looking three to four weeks. Woods, like we said, Matt Moylan. Um, yeah, it's just it hasn't been very friendly to him this year. If it does end up being a poor season in regards to injuries and results, the one massive upside heading into the year after is, again, the accelerated development of kids like a Bronson Shelley, uh, Sherry, Ronaldo, Mulitalo, who played the other night. He's only 18, 19 years old. Young Queensland junior come through their system. We've seen Will Kennedy. We've seen the Braley brothers. Nakora was their best player, I thought the first four or five weeks along with Andrew Fafita. So, good glimpse into the future. But, yeah, I just think sometimes injuries are cruel. Sometimes you get a couple of niggles, you don't have your luck. But so far, Cronulla's had zero luck. Absolutely none. Um, and it may ruin their season, unfortunately. Mm. North Queensland Cowboys, tackle three. And Paul Green, been under pressure. And the murmurs have been building. We asked some questions last year after the results and the way things were going. It was only, seems like, not long ago after that magical grand final run obviously the grand final run two years before that that he was being looked at as the Broncos successor talked about that he could coach Queensland at the same time he's doing the Cowboys and he was the answer to everything and now we're here and basically the complete opposite with a bit of pressure that's gone on Thurston's moved on yeah they've had the barber thing which didn't help out but you know has he stayed too loyal to a couple of older guys that he should have moved on have they done a good enough job with development and recruitment and bringing players through is the same voice getting old like it did with Neil Henry? I'm not 100% sure. But when you start to hear murmurs and things like that and the tension's building, there's a bit of a worry. And especially for a guy that, again, 12 months ago seems so heavily sought after 
and is now being talked about being on the outer. Yeah, well, they've lost Jonathan Thurston. They've played the majority of this season without their best player. So let's uh, make that perfectly clear. But they're certainly not playing well. And no. they played very poorly last year. They were very, very lucky to miss the wooden spoon. I, I really don't know, don't know what to make of the Cowboys. They uh, they struggled to stay in that game with Canterbury on Friday night, mm. and there hasn't been a whole lot of change. That's um, the other thing as a coach. Yeah, what are you changing? What do you you know? Is has he been too loyal to some of the players that maybe won him the premiership or around the club when he won the premiership? Has there not been enough roster turnover? Because we know that some coaches need to turn over their roster because they you know what they teach and and how they coach sometimes wears thin personalities wear thin the, the per, I don't know the personality of Paul Green he seems pretty measured to me pretty relaxed but Indoors, that doesn't necessarily angry well there you go that quite, doesn't necessarily yeah. mean that that's what he's like on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. and you've just confirmed that so maybe that's wearing a little bit thin on the players it's a difficult one to know but there's got to be pressure on him because I had a poor year last year and they've started this year well below where we expected them to be. I know they lost Ben Barber and they haven't really found a replacement there. We, we've heard tonight that Tamari Martin's got, well, may potentially have bleeding on the brain, which is a horrendous injury. Yeah, for a young man, that's not something you need to be dealing uh, with. And hopefully that's that's not the case and his injury isn't too serious. But they've got some issues there at the Cowboys. They, they need to get Tal Malolo back on the field ASAP and make sure that he's fit when he does get there. But my concern is their, their ability to generate points. And that, to me, comes down to the players in the key positions, your forwards, and also coaching. I think it's a mix of all those things. And for the Cowboys at the moment, their forwards aren't really going forward. They're not holding onto the football. They're not finishing their sets well. When they get down in the good ball, they look predictable and sideways. And they look like they're trying to roll out similar plays to what they used last year. Then they're, yeah. they're just not working. They haven't changed or adapted a whole lot. I will give a little bit of leeway in the fact that, again, like we said, it's been acknowledged. Barber in the off-season, the homes thing didn't pan out the way they were hoping it would. Tamalola, they're getting injured. And I acknowledge, again, how important yardage is. Kyle Field hasn't played a game yet. Then Nene McDonald with that crook leg break. If you told me tomorrow they could get back Nene McDonald, Kyle Felt, and Jason Tamalola, right there you've got two excellent set starters, two brilliant finishers, and your best middle forward. But I think on the flip side of it, like you said, you've got to do a better job with your whole 30, with your development, and with the way you adapt and play your football. Some of the recruitment in the other outside back positions has been quite poor. Like Hampton playing on a wing, I think now he'll probably have to go to fullback, and I think that's the move. Um, settling on his nine, I think he's been loyal to Jake Granville for way too long. I think it looked more dangerous when Baptiste has been on the field. He just seems to have cruised along the last couple of years. Matt Scott, I know he wants to play on and he's played on for a bit longer. Gavin Cooper, etc. These guys finished with a bit of a flurry at the back end of last year, but something's got to give at some point. Mm. Um, and clearly the voice or the message or whatever's happening there. I, I give, like I said, a little bit of rope both ways. But in particular, those three, I think, really, really hurt. Felt, Nano, Tamola. Two good set starters slash finishes, and then you've got somebody in your middle. But, yeah, I think for Morgan, it'd be frustrating as well coming back right now. And you don't have that go forward from your McLean, you Scott, these couple of guys who are a bit older in the tooth. Cohen Hess hasn't played really well at all this year as well, who's supposed to be a young talent. And then on your edges, you've got guys really that you wouldn't call strike weapons for a half. So yeah, there's not fair. a whole lot going on. It's fair. But that, that one would be interesting moving forward. It's just quick. funny how things change quickly for a coach. And again, we said it last week, we said it the weeks before, never want to be the guys laying the boot into them. But yeah, you never want to hear that kind of noise starting to come out of a dressing room, all those messages coming. 
No, you don't. It's not a good thing. Tackle four. Uh, I just want to give a wrap to two sides that we both probably had lower down on the pecking order in the Bulldogs and Manly. I think the Bulldogs, given their circumstances and the situation like we talked about, I know a lot of fans weren't happy, but they had to do what they had to do after what happened with Desi, unfortunately. They had to let go of some big contracts. They're playing with money out of the cap. They're paying money to have elsewhere. But I think the targeted recruitment of some of the younger kids that they're giving game time to is paying absolute dividends moving forward. And it's just going to be the fact that keeping that core group that they build up and then making some smart decisions when they free out the money to put them back into a position to be a good side. Harrower and Ira has been outstanding play on that edge. Reese Martin, since he's been back in, has been good. Clearly the two wingers, Ockenbohr, Remus Smith, again, two big bodies you can kick to, finish fast, good set starters. Cogger's been great. He's been a real solid foil for Lock and Lewis. He's been better than what I thought he was after what I saw in Cup in 20s. I honestly wasn't a huge fan. Um, there's a lot of boxes they're ticking right now, a lot of key areas. And that talk, again, that's similar to the Penrith mold. Getting a couple of seasons under their belt, 50 games or so before they get to the point where they get their salary cap right. If this development process and this attitude continues under Dean Pay, and then they kick some goals when the time comes around, when Foran's moved on, and a couple of these contract debts for Clemmer and a few players they've paid, if they get their cards right, they're going to have a very, very good football side. Agree. And then they, on the f- they played very well on Friday night. As much as I thought the Cowboys were poor, I thought the Bulldogs were fantastic. I thought they hung tough. They defended very well. I think they're pushing the boundaries in terms of their the ruck. I like um, their attack. And they're laying on, and they're doing a lot of things that are probably irking people that watch it. And I know it irked both of us on Good Friday. Yeah, the week before it did. However, Dean Pay came out and addressed it, and he's spot on in what he said. Yeah. Look, we're gonna if if we're gonna push the boundaries. Why not? So it's up to the referees to enforce the rules. He said, we're not going to get off and we're not going to do as we're told. We're going to take every advantage we can. And I, I don't have an issue with that. My criticism wasn't of the Bulldogs. It was of the, the refereeing referees. And the interpretation. Take Correct. So, uh, no, Canterbury, they look bright. They've, they've got some key decisions now they've got to get right mm. from a personal perspective. They, they really need to get a read on foreign. Is he going to go? Is he not going to go? Is he fit? Is he not fit? Because you're paying him more than probably 16, 17% of his salary cap. He's on a million, isn't he? Or yeah. close enough to And too. again, that's another one that Des unfortunately sticks with. So it. that's about, yeah, 15% of his salary cap. So that's a significant amount of money to be sitting on the sideline. Have to confirm this again, but I'm pretty sure that was a four-year deal and we're only in year two. Yeah. So that burden could potentially be carried for another two seasons. But you look at what's happened with Inglis in turn, and with Watmau previously, could they get a medical retirement? Kieran Foran doesn't seem the type of guy that's going to go out with a medical retirement. Mm-hmm. And so that's a, of... that's a difficult one. That that to me, they need Kieran Foran. If you're going to pay him that much whack, you need your play. best players out on the field playing well consistently for probably minimum seventy five percent and upwards on yeah. of, of games during a season in order to be competitive. So that to me looks the big cloud hanging over the Bulldogs at the moment. I, I think from a personnel perspective. They've got some freedom. They've got some cap room. Uh, well, they're going to have some cap room probably not next year, the year after, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So, so next they're manoeuvring at the moment. They've, they've got some good young juniors coming through. The Harold Matthews are in the grand final this weekend. Yeah. They're SG Ball 1. Did they win SG Ball last year or they're in the grand final in they SG Ball last year? They were in the JF last year and then they moved up their two best players to 20 straight away who I'm, I I predicted like we were in, I was in SG Ball this year. I thought if they had Jake Avarillo and there was another kid whose name Skips my mind in their side this year, they would have gone close to winning SG Ball. 
but they move straight to 20s because they're so talented. And that's what a lot of sides are doing at the moment. So, And then they've got another young half in Brendan Wakeham who's coming through, so they've got a bit of depth in that He's position there. He's playing Canterbury Cup. Morgan Harper is another centre who was talked about playing possibly early they're in the They're seventh year. at the moment in Fleg. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, Jake Avarillo. So there's players coming through. They're ninth in Canterbury Cup. But I think you'll find... They're in those positions because they've got a lot of young players in those grades, which is smart. And they've got back to what Dean Pace said they weren't doing previously, which is junior development. They used to be built off junior development. That went away when Des got there, and clearly that's been ramped back up now. Yeah, good. Flipping off the Bulldogs is that other side we talked about. I know we weren't happy, or a lot of people weren't happy with what Des Hasler did, his coaching style and the way things ended at the Dogs. And we had our reservations and our questions coming back to Manly, bringing back the band, doing everything the old school way. But I will say one thing for him. He certainly turned around the attitude and the culture the way it used to be. Defensively, Look, I, outstanding. I had them for the spoon last year. I, I was pretty adamant in the preview that they wouldn't get the spoon this year and that I thought they were a team between uh, 9th and 12th, I think yeah. I said. Good 13, but, 14 but re- players, no Really, at, at this point in time, if they, they're playing without Tom Trebojevic, mm. without, you could argue, their best player, Two they're weeks. now going to be without Cherry Evans. So this six-week period now is vital for Manly season. If they... Lose a stack of games here and and fall away. There's going to be no other excuse but injury, and we knew that. That was our concern with the depth of their squad. But I think Des Hasler's done a fantastic job. I think you can really see that he's had that year off, and he has adapted the way that he's playing. He's got them defending. Yeah, fantastically, and a lot of that is got to be credited to the players because of their attitude. But and most importantly, though, that goes back to what we've said before when people ask us about systems, structure, all these bits and pieces. When you come in as a coach, you need buy-in, you need attitude, and you need culture. And clearly, they've bought into Des Hasler. Yeah. They're a fan of Des Hasler, and clearly, the culture and what he's outlaid and the expectations are: we're going to be a hard side, we're going to be a gritty side, we're going to give absolutely nothing, and we're going to enjoy our defence. Because if you don't love defending, you don't do the stuff that they've been doing so far. Look, I've um. I've been very critical of Daz Hasler, particularly in his last year at Canterbury, but mm. not because I don't think he's a good coach, but because I think he went too far down a path and he was quite stubborn and wouldn't mm. change his ways, and that cost him his job. But and then just, since coming to Manly, I think he's done a fantastic job with that roster. Yep, 100%. He's got a lot more over than what Trent Barrett did. And again, I, I didn't see them doing this stuff for Trent Barrett at the back mm, end. No. And it's no. pretty similar. And all of us, including a lot of people in the media, a lot of players looked at the back line to start, start the year, and so that's one of the worst back lines in the comp. They're overachieving. Brendan Elliott's playing good football. Ruben Garrick in his first opportunity. Brad Parker's been really, really good the last few weeks. Manisi Farnu is getting Coruscant to compete with him, and he's actually outplaying Coruscant, as we said. All those forwards are brought in. Corey Riddell off the bench. Jack Azuski. Like, he's getting a lot out of those bit plays that we didn't expect a lot out of. Mm. So you've got to give a wrap there where credit is due. And, uh, yeah, both those teams. Surprise packets and being good to watch. Tackle five, two teams that needed a win, definitely got to win. The Broncos, as we said, and Newcastle. Obviously, we had a pretty heated back and forth last week. A lot of people highlighted that, but that's what we do best about the Newcastle situation. We saw a turnaround, I think, mainly in just what we needed to see on the weekend in attitude on the field. Well, the question is, does that continue I, forward? I would argue that validates what I had to say last week even more. How do they go from getting flogged by 40 by the Titans to coming out and flogging Parramatta? Attitude. The playing group taking some accountability and doing what they needed to do. I, like I said, I think I think the coach can't take all the blame and the players. Well, he's to, under he's under massive pressure. He is massive pressure. The question is, can they kick on from here? And that's the thing. A week later, we've seen what we've needed. Well, to even see. Parramatta, like Parramatta, got beat nineteen 0 by Canberra. 
come out, flog the pants off the Tigers in the opening of the stadium, and then come out and lay an egg on the weekend. And I, I know a lot of people are banging on about, and we spoke about Brad Arthur last week, yeah. but for, for, to give him a contract, I, I would. I'd give him a contract because I I'd think he's done. a good coach. However, I do understand the Parramatta club. Like, There's no consistency in their performance at the moment either. They look fantastic one week and they lay an egg the next. So I think there's too much uncertainty around it. A 14 off contract and a coach. Surely they've figured out by now that you know they've got a good uh, good core group of halves. Dylan Brown who's injured, Javion Salmon on a decent contract. Moses is probably going to take a haircut off his laugh deal. The Gutherson thing I don't think is uh, you know rocket science. There's a few contracts I think they could get done right now to bring a bit more stability to what they're doing. And until that's well, I think resolved, I Nathan think Brown, have some issues. Nathan Brown, and look, I'll give him credit. I, I hammered him last week. I'll give him credit. Because I think he simplified the shit out of what Newcastle did on the weekend. I think he also... All they did was just run as hard as they possibly could. They won... I would say they won 70% of the contacts in that game. Parramatta could not slow them down. They could not control them. And they just rolled through the middle. And they, they utilised the the players in their squad uh, that, they, that could break down Parramatta. There, there was tries there where the dummy half passed and they just crashed over. That's how fast that they were playing. Parramatta just couldn't keep up with it. They geared up this week and they actually come after it. But again, but I let's see. They got the Warriors this week. That's a game they should win. I think they got the Bulldogs the week after that. They've got a few games coming up that they should win. Yeah, uh, I'm certainly not going to lay off them. I maintain everything I said last week. Uh, that to me, the performance on the weekend was okay. Parramatta snuck back in at it on a few occasions and looked like they may come over the top of them, particularly just after half time. So, yeah. I still think Nathan Brown's under huge pressure. They need to make the eight. So I, I, I think they, they, they need to make the eight for him to keep his job. I don't think they do. I think they need to be there or thereabouts again. I don't believe. I don't. You know whether I believe that they can make the eight. I think they've got a borderline top eight roster. That's yeah. my opinion. I didn't when, when I analysed. Neither did I. However, I think that the Newcastle board are expecting him to make the eight with that side, or he's going to get fired. That's that's. What I believe, mm. and that's why I think he's under massive pressure. Yeah, and that's why if I was Nathan Brown, I'd be, I'd be coaching real hard at the moment, and I've got no doubt he is. Well, the bigger thing I got out of the weekend is Mitchell Pearce said himself, a few of us needed to take a bit of ownership, and we were challenged. Yeah, and but that's rubbish no as well because be he's, he's Nathan Brown let the. He just let the players have too much control during the preseason. How, how and look, you can go back and listen to the preseason preview, or the season preview. And I said this in the season preview: how the fuck he allowed Kalen Ponga to play at five eight is just beyond me. Well, again, like you said, letting the players have that little bit of freedom, and he also bought in with one of his better players. Yeah, but players. you've got then got to own that. Yeah. You've got to own that the and he did. the results of that. No, well, he hasn't. I don't. I don't believe he has. And Pierce was also a driving factor in that, saying that this would work out, and Watson a one, etc., and all, everything they tried, and clearly it didn't. And they've made that change. Is it too late? I don't know, but I still think their forwards and a few other guys weren't doing their job, and they did on the weekend. The good thing is, is that I think their form has taken Mitchell Pierce right out of calculations for the New South Wales side. Will Clemmer play New South Wales? Yeah. I'm not sure. Probably Ramian. I think is one that could. Pong is definitely going to play for Origin. Queensland. So they're not going to be drastically affected. Well, Tim Glasby. So they could they, they could lose they a few. Could. So you know, it's important for them, particularly with the fact that they're going to lose Ponga. They needed to bank points, and considering they've had, you know, four, I think four home games, they had five. three of their or five home games. They had four of their first. Two sorry, three. three of their first four, and they're um, 
Two wins, three losses at home. Yeah, not great. Broncos, the other one who obviously needed a win. I think that one was pretty straightforward. They got the Sharks at the right time See, at home. Totally differently to bunch of close results, and they're building, they're developing, they're going through some things. I know they've been hammered from pillar to post. They could have easily won all their games. Yeah, but we've just been lacking that polish. But like I said the week before, twenty-one and under, six, seven players. I'm not buying an excuse for them, but what do we really expect from this? And now to be doing this halves change this week, like. There's some things there. And on the flip side of that, I know Wayne Bennett's been getting out of this with a you know, touch of the feather, but let's look at the facts here with some of the contracts. He's the one who had control and wanted to go get Jack Bird and paid a ridiculous amount of money that they're now stuck with. He's and the one said who that paid, he was going to play him 5-8. He's the one who paid James Roberts five 600000 right now that they're possibly going to offload, and I wouldn't blame them for doing that. He's the one who gave Darius Boyd a four-year deal worth $800,000, which has still got two more years to run, which they can't move on from. Super. So they're sitting here all pointing the finger at Seaborn. We did that results. We did this. The Broncos this. The Broncos that. Two or three of the contracts that he's probably got there and said, I don't really, really want, were left behind by Wayne Bennett. Yeah, but he knew that when he signed up to yeah, the job. Yeah, I get that. But a lot of these things have been like dressed over, and they're like, oh, get rid of Boyd and get rid of this person and drop that. I'm like, a lot of these things are out of his control. Yeah, I get that. But he's on the hot seat. So I just so you got to sit down. Everyone and needs to calm down a little bit and. It'll sort itself out realistically as time goes on with those young players. And we're going to see another one this week in Tom Dearden. But yeah, both needed wins, both got their wins. Last point in the set of six before we move on the Queensland spine uh, and the Queensland side in general. No mercy. I'm sorry, poor Queensland fans out there. We've suffered for long enough. We didn't have halves, we didn't have hookers, we had nothing but some cruel blows dealt this year. Last year, we won the series and again thought we had a very, very good chance last year and they still pushed all the way uh, against New South Wales, but now another cruel blow dealt. Jake Friend, who we were both pushing for, comes back, has an absolute blinder on the weekend, tears his bicep. So now probably out of contention. Daly Chair Evans being touted as a potential captain, came in game three, played last year. Surgery today, four to six weeks, possibly going to be available for game one, but loses that run of form, loses he's game not, conditioning, game struggling to get back in there. Michael Morgan, patchy at best the way he's playing. Talk about him playing the centres, now possibly needs to play seven. Hunt could have gone in, maybe done that job. He's potentially going to have to play nine now, regardless of what they think. Who's going to be the bench utility if that happens? Do they let Will Chambers mark up on Luttrell Mitchell again? Who plays the other centre spot now? They're all starting to talk now about David Fafita moving out there and playing Origin as a centre because he's mobile enough to play in the back row and play on that other side of the field instead of playing somebody else there. If you had Morgan, obviously, move in and play in the halves or play off the bench uh, it's not really great there. And then Napa was mentioned today that all of them, the Queensland greats I've seen putting him in their team. Off a Cinder's Moses injury, coming back for a guy that barely plays 40 minutes, that's a big ask. Mm. Um, and their forward pack besides Jai Arrow right now, there's not a lot of guys playing great. So there's some real question marks and some real things coming up. And there's murmurs out that Cameron Smith's going to make a return. So that'll be interesting. It's... Smith doesn't solve those problems, though. You no, still need he, a forward doesn't. pack. You he, still need defense. But it gives you some quality. Yeah, I get that. But I just think, yeah, there's there's lots of concerns heading into it. Um, and we said it last week. Given the way the outside backs look at the moment, you'd have Gagai, Chambers, Oates, and then the other wing spot. I'm sure they're still sweating on what happens with Kyle Felt because there's not really anyone else available. But then you move Morgan to the centers. That gets your Gagai back on with Oates. But now you've got this injury problem. Again, it's it's taking away from areas they were going to try and patch up with best players. Yeah. So there's some real concern for Queensland heading in to the Origin Series. But that wraps up our set of six. We will jump in now, box head, to our power rankings, which are appropriately brought to us by the Penrith Solar Centre. Uh, as we all know, bills keep on rising, box head. We've both got systems very, very handy for the back pocket, especially in summertime with those rising power bills. So tackle those rising power bills head on this season with the help of Solar Energy 
The team at Penrith Solar Centre are passionate about helping Western Sydney Sinbin rising electrical bills for good. Find out how Penrith Solar Centre can make you and your family the big winners this season with quality solar solutions for your home. Visit www.penrithsolar.com.au or call on 1300-2930. Jake and the team there at Penrith Solar Centre. Had some inquiries, but a couple of blokes from Melbourne. I think it was MoFo Storm Fan and Mexican Wrestler with that... that, that, that the tags or the handles I had on Twitter that I finally got back to. My apologies for that reference for a, a company in Melbourne that was recommended by Jake and the boys. Ripper. So, yeah. Doing good up. business, so Jake and the boys. Oof, sure are. Power rankings, uh, not a whole lot of change for me uh, from last week. Maybe a little bit of shuffling, but number one, still the City of Roosters. Regardless of what's happened on field, injuries, shuffles, changes week to week, they just keep finding a way to win. Yep. Same for you, I'm guessing. Yep. Number two, still got the storm. Yep. Not overly impressive, but got the job done again. Number three, I'm assuming, is going to be the same again. South Sydney. South. Um, ugly way to win, but outstanding defensively, even though they were sloppy in attack at times. Number four, I stuck steady with Canberra, considering they strung together some wins. Um, but, yeah, I've left them at four for now. I didn't. I bumped the Dragons up. I was really impressed with what the Dragons did on Anzac Day. I think they could have easily won that match, so I've got them at four. Again, I've held on the Dragons at number five. I thought they were impressive as well. 72% possession against them in the first half. 60-40 for the game. No DeBellin, no Widop, no Sims, and I still thought they looked a chance. What if that was your five is Canberra? Uh, Canberra, yep. 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 Number six, uh, Parramatta. I've knocked them down a spot. It wasn't a great uh, result on the weekend, but again, they did fight back and they had the huge win the week before, and overall their form has been pretty good. So I left them at six. Yeah, I'm with you. Number seven, Manly. I've bumped them up only one spot. It's not a knock on them, but it's more the injuries that have prevented me from moving them up any further. I've got the same. No Tom, no DC. Adam Fanua, Blackbat this week, but ultra impressive. And number eight, I've moved Cronulla out purely on the injuries again and the fact that they're losing, and it's probably going to get harder. And for now, just because of the result on the weekend and moving back into the top eight, I have the Tigers for now. I've got the Broncos. Okay. So. I've moved them straight in, I think. Well, I think where are they now? Ninth on the table, tenth on the table, tenth. because because of but that long jam. Two wins out. Well, how many teams are on two wins? Last spots on two wins, aren't yeah. they? I think so. All from, the way up. So there's six or seven teams on two wins. Yep. So them, the Cowboys, Penrith, they're all on two. I think three and four is the Sharks, and then four wins with the Tigers up gets you into the eight. So uh, two wins out, but yeah, massive log jam in the bottom half of the table. So that brought to you by Penrith Solar Centre. Like we said, if you're looking for a system, get onto the boys there, and Jake. Uh, very, very good stuff. www.penrosola.com.au and that phone number again, 1800 2029 Moving into our reviews of the games from the weekend, Box said that Roosters-Dragons game, as we said, cracker game of football, but the big difference in this one purely for me was the first half. 72% of possession absolutely kills you. Early points, the penalty goal, pushed it out to 8-0 and then just errors and penalties from the Dragons, in particular their back three, made some critical errors and put them under pressure. There was also two moments I thought that really, really hurt. The forward pass that was called for that try, I thought that could have gone either way. I would have been happy if that was called. Some people feel differently about it. And the other one was late in the half. Tedesco went clean through. I thought that may have been an obstruction. So I think there was two moments there that could have easily swung in the Dragons' favour. But 14-0 at half time, it was looking like it possibly could have got ugly and that that possession really would have told on them. But to their credit, second half, I thought they were outstanding. Yeah, well... The Roosters have done this two weeks in a row, haven't they? Blown the Storm out, blown the Dragons out. I thought the Roosters should have led by more. They were great, but I thought they should have led by more at half time. Uh, 
other than that, the game was to be expected. I, there was exactly. a, a lot of passion in the game, uh, a good crowd in. I, I just, I uh, the roost, what the Roosters did didn't surprise me, but what the Dragons did, did I, I thought their fight back in the second half was really admirable. Mm. And they look, again, to have improved uh, with their spine. I thought their forward pack held their own. Uh, so there's a lot of positive signs for me to take out of that for the Dragons. I'd lose absolutely no solace out of that if I was Paul McGregor, particularly when you take into consideration, as you said, the possession that they had against them. Well, they ended up finishing up 60-40, so they were still behind. But I think it just takes a lot. It's a stack. That's a stack yeah. at the end of the game. But it kills you early in the game. Oh, all yeah, the extra tackles, all the possession, their forward rotation. In the second half, they basically changed their rotation. They put their whole bench on. So they put on Laurie, Leilua, Host, and I thought they did a pretty good job and they rolled for a little bit. Uh, Dufty why he had some excellent moments in particular that try a couple of critical errors and it finished up when they dragged themselves right back into that game with obviously that moment where he dropped the ball Tokiaho when everyone's under fatigue and tired crashes over him just takes it that last little bit away from him so hard loss to take but I think they were very very gallant but at the end of the day they completed at 65% made some critical errors defended their backsides off and still were very very close to a rooster side mind you Still had some players missing, which is very impressive again because they just keep on winning. But um, no Luke Keary. Some interesting murmurs during the week about Latrell Mitchell and South Sydney, which I find yeah. quite awkward or quite weird for their perspective of things. And then they lost Jake Friend, who had an absolute blinder. Laid a try on, set a try up, uh, put a nice kick in for a 40-20, made some huge plays, and now he's going to be out long term. So not getting any easier, but as they do with the depth in that squad, I'm assuming Radley just pushes straight back into nine. Pretty quality replacement. Liu won't be too far off with that busted finger. He'll move straight back in a lock. Um, they're just so deep, that top 30. Very, very good squad, the Roosters. Oh, very, very lucky. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, yeah, Cordner was huge. Tokiaho, friend. They had some good players. On the Dragon side of things, like I said, mixed day for Dufty, but he had some good moments. Frizzell was great. And I thought Cam McInnes this year, again, very unsung hero for that team. Ben Hunt, though, went off with a cork shoulder. and His line speed on occasions was McInnes. unbelievable. Excellent. And just up and whack and... Real leader in the middle of the field, considering he plays such huge minutes. Yeah. Benny Hunt went off, made a couple of errors. Wasn't his best day uh, in a bigger game, but don't know if anything more came of that child. I think it was just a cork, so hopefully he's all yeah, good. Yeah, it definitely wasn't his best game. They certainly definitely don't need not. any more blows. That they've well, the same done. as Dufty. Like, Dufty, he scored that excellent try, but, yeah. you know, he came up with the error that iced the game at the end when Tokiaho scored. Carrera made one, Lomax made one. There was yeah. a couple from all the back the three. The errors from their, their back three really, really cost the Dragons... Not points, but field position and possession, yeah. which leads to points. Yep. Game number two, Warriors-Melbourne, 13-12. The Storm got away with this one. Uh, completely blown away with the Warriors. But again, never know what you're going to get week to week. So unpredictable. No. Roger Tuivas-Shek doesn't play. Blake Green doesn't play. Uh, there was someone else I'm trying to think of. Carter doesn't play, which didn't turn out to be a bad thing anyway because that right edge that he plays on has leaked more tries than any edge apparently in the competition. Pat Herbert comes in, a former Dragon, a guy who I absolutely loved last year and didn't understand why he played, was playing fullback, centre, wing, comes in there and has an absolute blinder defensively. Clearly understands inside shoulder, good defensive decisions, good principles. And the sad part was Melbourne just kept going there all day and to no avail. They didn't change up at all, which was the frustrating thing watching that game. Mm. They just refused to stop going left and trying to play early and try and get to Pat Herbert or get outside and they just kept jamming in and solving it. Yeah, look, I thought... The Warriors should have won. They should have. The Warriors definitely should have won that game. A lot of people weren't happy with the penalty that was given. 
on on replay now after watching it again, I can see where people are coming from. However, I think Jesse Bromwich got to his feet. But the play of the ball was ugly. So it was a 50-50. It definitely went Melbourne's way. I thought the Warriors got away with a fair bit, though, in the ruck. Um, people would argue that Melbourne got away with a fair bit in the ruck in this game. To be honest, I don't like the fact that we're arguing about interpretations in the ruck. That's what I don't like. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't want or don't think that that should be something that we point to as an indicator and you know the main reason why a team won or lost. Mm. I thought the Warriors were gritty as shit. Uh, they did as much as they possibly could to win this game. I think they just ran out of petrol. Oh yeah, and well, you just you got a side that only needs one chance. The Storm only need one chance, and they had multiple chances, and the Warriors just kept pushing away, pushing away, pushing away. But I just always felt watching that Melbourne were coming to get them, and that twelve was never going to going to be enough. And it proved to be true. But if Melbourne want to play with that sort of fire all year and and in other games, they're going to they're going to fall short. You can't win all those. Well, I'm still blown away that now three weeks in a row they put themselves in that position. But it comes back to what we said in our season preview. Teams like Melbourne, the Roosters, these sides, they find ways to win those games that they don't deserve to win. Yeah. Um, and they've won two out of the last three that they didn't deserve to win. Mm. Two, and probably really should have won the other one as well. Should have run the Roosters one, yeah, yeah. Probably the way they came back in the end and had them on the ropes until Tupanua made that Considering Kiri went off and, you know, the, the Roosters had a lot of things go against them and still managed to win. I'd argue against the fact that people, again, always point the finger to Melbourne controlling the ruck. I thought they didn't control the ruck at all the other night. I thought that's why the Warriors looked so good. Ignatius Parsi got five offloads. They kept busting them. They had quick play the balls. They changed the point of attack. Melbourne couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop no, them they from rolling upfield. The penalty that was given, again, it always sounds biased because I'm a Melbourne fan, but as a forward, I found my front. I've got up. I've got to my feet. You're still bent me over with two of you on me, holding me down the ruck. Yeah, did he drop the football, but did he earn the right to stand back up and play the ball? I thought it could I have been the penalty did. before we even got to him playing the ball so, because he'd found his feet and they were still on him. They were trying yeah. to get their hands on the ball. And I, I give them a rap. I thought they did a much better job in that area that everyone tries to win. But my thing is, for anyone listening, you can't complain and say, oh, it's only one team. Everybody does it. They did a much better job on the Everyone night, is. and deservedly so. Melbourne couldn't stop them. They couldn't slow them down. The big difference is, if you take out quality players like Roger Tuivasa-Shek, Blake Green, Sean Johnson left at the start of the year, it's obviously going to be harder to score points when they had the opportunities. They weren't as polished as what they could have been without those great players, but the effort was outstanding. Yeah. Um, like I said, I thought Parsi, Lachlan Burr has been an absolute outstanding find. Taken three or four years to get to this point where he's finally playing first grade consistently. Been to the Dogs, been to the Titans, been overseas, had all the junior credentials. And then seeing some of these debutants that have come through. Chanel Tavita-Harris has really surprised me. I thought he played pretty well again. Harris has obviously played a really good game the other night. Looks so much better when he's on the football. Uh, reminded me more of the bloke I saw at Melbourne actually being involved in the play, not sitting on that edge as he has been since he's been at the Warriors. And we only got a small taste, but Hayes Perham, the young bloke, came off the bench. I've watched him play some cup and some under-20s. He's a good footballer. He's a fullback slash 5'8". Uh, they've got some good young kids that are parked there waiting to come through. There weren't many Warriors who I thought were poor. No, that way, I thought right? they were outstanding. And yeah. Pat Herbert, you couldn't have a better debut. Defensively, they threw the kitchen sink at that edge because that's where they usually leak with Carter there, and he came up with everything mm. and more. He gave Will Chambers a bath. Munster couldn't come up with anything. The frustrating thing, I think, like we were talking about watching the game, adjustments. If you're going to keep getting jammed on that edge and they weren't tying in or weren't coming up in the middle, drop a player back under, play back into the drain, make that edge maybe question what they need to do or make the middles think about working a bit harder and then go back to that edge. But Melbourne really did Melbourne play. seemed very, very structured. They refused to go to Croft. It's starting to look a little bit like the year before. He's getting frozen out. And then he come up with that match-winning field goal, which may buy him some time. But you still got to wonder that when Drinkwater gets back with that rotation, do they move Hughes or Drinkwater into the half and put pressure on him and try to 
play differently as a spine. Yeah, I, and I Ryan Pappenhausen didn't get on, but why is he on the bench? He's, he's there as cover. Yeah. So In case Bellamy's got to get the big hook out. Smith uh, took control second half. Thought Jerome Hughes had a very, very good game again uh, on the Warriors side of things. Multiple players, like we said. Harris, uh, Pat Herbert on debut. Parsi, Burr, Kemamola, 200-and-something-plus metres, scored a nice try, good yardage, real good effort. The question is, can they play like that again this week? Mm. That's the thing we never know about the Warriors. But I Consistency. Honest, I honestly think, thought they deserved to win that game. I really did. Moving on, Dogs-Cowboys. Um, said it before, say it again. Dogs, just surprising. Good effort, good kids, good blooding, good building, period, great attitude. And my favourite thing about watching the Bulldogs is I think they play one of the best brands of football in the NRL. He said he got there and wanted to play some... Basic attacking football, work on some fundamentals and some principles, some catch pass, and have everyone play some football. I think the dogs do, and not always block block or shapes or structures. They will just get a good play of the ball, play off the back of it, count numbers, play with good width, engage, dig into the line. Like they they play real simple, effective football. I mean, they earn quick play of the balls. They'll play straight away. If they can get off loads, they will. If they feel you know there's an opportunity to play down a short side, they will. If they want to shift early on an open side, like I, I honestly am, yeah, do enjoy watching the Bulldogs play. The week before, obviously they tailored their game to their opponent, which was a much bigger, more dominant forward pack, and they knew they weren't going to get many opportunities, so they wrestled the shit out of them. Like good on them, like we said, that's the ref's job to take control of that. But yeah. this week against the Cowboys side that has big names in it, I thought they won. They got over the top of them. Clearly, they won. They picked their edges apart. Harawira Naira, they isolated Gavin Cooper a couple of times in the space there and tried to get on his inside shoulder. Successfully did that twice. Uh, the mismatch with the wingers, they tried to play down those couple of sides there. Lock and Lewis, Jack Cogger, I think they're doing a really, really good job. There's, there's just some good growth in some of these young players and they enjoy playing football together and they're gritty. They really are a gritty side. And for so many good youngsters playing in there uh, with only a couple of veterans in Jackson, etc., there's some good signs if I'm a Dogs fan. I'm enjoying what I'm seeing considering the circumstances that my team's in. I'm re- feeling really good. If I'm a Cowboys fan, I'm severely disappointed because, as we said before, I know they're missing Nene. Felt two good set starters. Jason Tamale, best forward. But between Scott, McLean, Hess, a couple of those guys, they're just not getting enough. No. And I'm not questioning the effort of Matt Scott. I think the effort's there, but I think he's had neck surgeries and he's an older player. Gavin Cooper, I think the effort's there, but same deal. You're older, your leg speed, you've played God knows how many games. It's your guys like Hess... And McLean, who's got big a, a plum and has played for Australia and has been talked about for New South Wales, I'm not saying that kind of form. And your outside backs, no offence, losing Barber and not having those two wingers, there's not a whole lot of strike there. So if you're Michael Morgan right now, what are you going to? Clifford is solid, but again, you can't play off the back of a beaten forward pack. Granville's been ordinary to start the year off and been average for the last couple of years. There's a lot of questions for the Cowboys full stop. Yeah. The sad part for me coming out of this game is we saw a real, real good effort against the Storm and the Raiders. And then I didn't think we saw the same amount of effort. Even though late on in their piece, they had a couple opportunities to score some tries and pull themselves back in. Um, I don't know if they went there thinking they'd have an easier night with the Bulldogs or whether they're just flat and they're feeling a bit after a couple of close losses. But it's disappointing off the back of a good win in, in New Zealand. I thought they would have wanted to build off that, but uh, not to be. No. And then, obviously, the surfacing rumours or the bit of the bubbling to the surface about Paul Green, so... Not all good times at the Cowboys. Yeah, look, small crowd away from home, ANZ Stadium, dogs yep. desperate. Fresh back from New Zealand. Yeah, it was just a, it was a hard game to pick. Mm. Um, but I think the, the Bulldogs thoroughly deserve their victory. The Cowboys got to go and have a look at their attack. Yeah. 
I think they go forward. Everyone just needs to take some accountability and step up. Tamari Martin, uh, our best wishes to him with that bleed on the brain. Any results there, hopefully, for a young bloke, that's not something you need. No. So hopefully that turns around. Tal Malolo, I know they need him back, but I wouldn't be pushing it because if you're going to pay someone 10 years, million dollars a season, you need him 100% before he comes back. So that's obviously not... And, and the Kyle Felt thing, I still don't know what's going on there. I haven't looked into it enough to see what the injuries are when he's coming back, but they could certainly use a good set starter yeah. and somebody to help out in that regard. But I assume now that Ben Barber... Will probably play fullback, or if not, Gideon Geller Mosby come from Queensland Cup play fullback, yeah. or vice versa. He goes to that wing, and uh, Hampton to the back. But yeah, a bit disappointing for the Cowboys in that one. South Penrith, the next one up, twenty-two to eighteen. This was a good game of football. Absolutely, I think yeah. that Penrith probably played their best game of the season, and again, didn't come up with a result. And as much as everyone's been laying the boot in, and even we've said it like they haven't played the best football. One week they're okay with the attack, they're poor defensively. Another week they're good defensively. Their, their attack, which has been consistently quite poor, forward pack not doing a job. Same old kind of structures. They haven't been blown out yet. Similar to what we talked about Brisbane last week. The yeah. big thing is when's the win going to come? And they almost got it against one of the big fish in the competition. But yeah, I think the real critical point for me is second half after conceding a couple of pretty soft tries in the first half they build all that pressure they claw their way back in they park themselves down south and were just relentlessly attacking their line getting repeat sets and then the first time they had the ball south and got a penalty or an opportunity up on halfway for a set of six on a touch again they ran that little inside outside play Cody Walker to Dane Gagai scored the try and broke Penner's heart yeah. so all that pressure and all that effort and the Man forward black, the ball. it just all and went undone in one one moment yeah and it was a poor offload by Cameron Murray. It was a desperate offload at the time. But, yeah, I'm not going to blame Mansell for it. But he needed to come up with that football realistically. That set of six in that moment. Um, yeah, I think they went at kick out and the market didn't quite tie across and they got at Maloney and squeezed through that hole. But heartbreaking because I really did think that was their best effort. Their forward pat was great. The most metres of round seven and not the result. 53 tackles inside 20 still showing their attacks. Probably not the most crisp. But for South, I honestly think for them... That's a huge win considering their attack was a bit sloppy. Plenty of passes hit the ground. They were beaten up in the forward pack, I thought, by Penrith thoroughly and they just defended their line and refused to go away. Yeah. I I took a lot out of this for Penrith. Yeah. As I just said, I think they're very, very close to a win. And South. But just as much as South. They yeah. went down Defensive to Penrith uh, Friday night. It can be quite slippery at Penrith mm. uh, at this time of the year. It's different conditions to what they're used to playing uh, you know, in close to the uh, the CBD, uh, the surface is a little bit longer. Um, probably not. Well, it's well, it's a it's a very very different surface to to that of ANZ Stadium. Um, I, I thought they, I don't think they were impressive, South. But no. again, and we've said this so many times this year, they found a way to win. Yeah. That's you, um, you feel like they're coming close to a loss, but they just keep finding ways. Geez, I done. thought they started fast, they they did. Sa- and Sam Burgess said as much uh, in his interview. I'm not sure where I heard him say that, but there was a real focus for them to start fast. I think they they really got Penrith rattled, and it took Penrith probably till just after half time, I think, to get comfortable within the game, and that's when they really started to pick up and I think believe that they could win. But and it was just a little bit too late for. For Penrith, South scored that try like you indicated, the Cody Walker try. Then came back down and scored pretty much straight away with kick out. Mm. And Penrith had a few cracks at the end of the game, but yeah. South just well. no. Well, Adam Reynolds' kicking game on the night was absolutely outstanding, and the amount of traffic he had thrown in by kick out. I know he scored that barnstormer, but that's a hell of an ask for a bloke like Adam Reynolds, who's held together mm. by duct tape 
to tackle kick-out all night. Uh, Goal-line defense was outstanding. Effort, scramble. Penrith still kind of annoying me with the way they attack inside 20. Still too often it looks like they just want to get to an edge back row, lay a line, and then play that long side shift. And all they do is throw a double block or give an early ball to a center and just hope that something happens. They looked better in patches of that game when that, that Regan-Campbell-Gillard try happened. They get a quick play of the ball. The nine in Egan had a good little period there where he actually manipulated the ruck off the back of the forwards, winning it, and they just played through them and tried to get the offloads, which they scored off. Yeah. Um, it, they just look so much more effective when they play that way. And kind of feel I'm really feeling for James Fisher-Harris because I thought he had another absolute cracker on the weekend. James Tarmier has certainly stepped up this year. He had 250 metres and 20 carries, so... Um, Ford Pack definitely did their job this week unlike many other weeks and I thought Campbell Gillard had one of his better games finally so that needs to continue on they need to go down to Canberra which is going to be a tough ask and they really need to get a win this week Mm -hmm. this is the week after that they need to build Um, they could put their tail between their legs and be like oh well it's not an easy game to that was the game but they really need to deliver that same kind of effort again yeah and it still might not be enough because it's going to be a very very tough road trip for them well, the big one's that forward pack. They need to do what they did again. They do that, and it makes it a lot easier for the nines they've got and brings your halves into the game, and at times the halves looked a bit better. So. Yeah, well, we're talking about that same word, aren't yeah. we? The, the consistency word. Plenty of good signs there, but the forward pack, you have to deliver again next week. For South, they roll on. Reynolds, Walker, outstanding. Thought Cam Murray was pretty good, but overall their forward pack was beaten up for most of the game, and their goal line defense was the difference. Mm-hmm. So 6-1, rolling on. Tigers-Titans, your mob. Uh, it, it looked like it was going to be a hard night for the Tigers, in all honesty, when it kicked off. Reynolds drops the kickoff, goes off a set later. They almost concede first up, and then you guys get a glut of possession, score two tries, one off Don off a simple kick, and then they go down the other edge, and Cartwright puts Peachy through, and it's 14 nil after 20 minutes. I'm sitting there thinking, oh, God, this, this is going to get ugly. It's going to fall apart, and before you know it, it flips the other way. The discipline and some errors, and it kind of unravels, and then the Tigers just start playing through you guys, and in particular, again, that left edge defensively or right edge attack, they just went after Cartwright, Peachy, uh, Copley, and they came up with absolute thin air. Isam Masters had a field day. Brooks played that edge almost exclusively, and I don't blame him. The amount of tackle breaks and offloads that Isam Masters come up with, Maher scores the hat trick. Uh, there's the simple one on the other side of the field where Robert Jennings just gets to pick up a ball and put it down. Um, it just completely swung and 30 unanswered points. I... Yeah. Oh, look. Good mate who's a West Tigers fan, and he texted me at 14 0 and said, Oh, I'm going to turn this off. And I said to him, No, leave it on because if the Titans have to defend back to back sets or, you know, three sets in a row, they they can't do it. They they crack. Mm. They're as soft as butter on their goal line. As you said, their discipline was poor. They got what they deserved. I, I don't know what else to say. I. I think Ash Taylor needs a stint in Queensland Cup. That's where I'm at. I think he was he was disgusting. The way he's playing, he's either playing injured or he's just well below yeah, form. Well, what- he kicked the ball at one stage on play three and no one knew about it and it just went out. And there was no... To me, Ash Taylor for me, he's, he never looks like he's out on the field to win, like he wants to win. Mm. There's never body language Mm-mm. that says, I'm here... I love playing for this club. I'm going to do absolutely everything I can to win win this game. I think more just I'm here to play rugby league. He looks constantly like he doesn't want to get like rugby league's a physical game. If you don't like physicality, well, and then like you look at Tyrone Roberts, who has half the ability of Ash Taylor, mm. 
Just but just busts his ass every week. You look at a Jai um, Arrow, who's not the biggest middle forward, just going berserk every week. I, I shudder to think at how many points the Tigers would have put on if Arrow wasn't out there. I shudder to think how good Jai Arrow would be, no offence again, if he played in a forward pack like Brisbane still, where he came from, or yeah. played in one of the other forward packs in the comp, and what he could do. But... Oh, I don't know. I think defensively... The Tigers were... The Tigers started like a busted ass. Mm. Like, Isan Masters was penalised for being offside off the kickoff. He was about two metres offside. They were in the, still in the sheds for the first 20 minutes, Tigers. So I, I take absolutely nothing out of the Titans skipping away to a 14-0 lead. The one thing I will say is we lacked that killer instinct. We It was 12-0. We'd had all the ball. The Tigers were gassed, and we take two points. I, I would have just... Tapped and gone there. Yeah. Because I think 18-0 and 14-0 is a big difference. Yeah. And I think we saw a little bit out the week before we talked about that second half. Obviously, there was a run of Mentally, it's only four Newcastle. Points. But you guys last week almost shut off for 20 minutes and let Newcastle throw yeah, the kitchen right. sink at you for 2024. They don't have that killer instinct. So, disappointing. Uh, obviously, James out for the rest of the season. I think it's going to be possibly a long year if this keeps up. But that edge on the left-hand side, you can't have Peachy, Cartwright, Copley all together. Something's got to give. Something's got to change there. I don't know how they fix it, though, because I said before that Brian Kelly had some defensive problems at Manly. Why is he outstanding in attack? And he still seems to have his defensive problems this year. So I thought Tyron Peachy was poor as well. Yeah, he was. Defensively, on both edges, they've got some issues. Losing James hurt. Right. Like, yeah. All these guys you're paying, they're, Things not, hurt. they're not delivering. Tigers, good turnaround. I'm still on the bandwagon that I think Ryan Madison is potentially an origin bench utility. I think mm. he had another outstanding game. Um, thought he was great. Brooks... Isan, Maher obviously got the hat-trick. Twile's been playing some good football, but all around the Tigers as a whole. And I will give one thing. I love Michael Maguire because he just, he'll, he'll just stick to his guns. He obviously isn't happy with the way Russell Pack has been playing. Bang, you dropped. You're out. Step up. You're in a big contract, even though I didn't give it to you the year before. Don't care. Mm-hmm. Play better football. You're out of the team this week. As soon as the Cheekham thing was pled guilty, you're out of the team as well. Uh, he just doesn't care. Either play good football or get out. Yeah. So, full credit to Michael Maguire. Better result for the Tigers and moving on. Broncos, Sharks. This one doesn't need a lot of explanation. Uh, the Sharks lose Dugan before kickoff. Already missing a lot of players, as mentioned before. Moylan, Woods, etc. Wade Graham still not back in. you got Fafita playing with a bung hamstring. you got Paul Gallen playing needled up. They call in Ronaldo Multitalo, who's literally just been caught up to the top squad this week. 18, 19-year-old kid who is a Queenslander. What a way to debut, mind you. I know he didn't have the best of nights, but... Good time to get a phone call as a Queensland kid to yeah. go playing up there when you've grown up in Ipswich at Suncourt Stadium. But too many kids on the field, too many injuries. And Brisbane, like you said, and we've been talking about, every week have been so close and you could just feel that this was going to be the week and it was. It was pretty straightforward. They got all over in the middle. And when you lay a good platform, Anthony Milford and your halves look better with the football. And they did. Their outside backs helped out. Jack Bird, these kind of guys, good yardage sets. But for the most part of the game, Especially the first half, it was just all Brisbane rolling upfield. Off of Hengawi, Tavita Pengai Jr., Lodge back in, Haas. Um, they've looked a lot better since Haas has been in the side. And then getting Lodge and Tavita Pengai back, that made their forward pack all the more impressive. I think the only disappointing thing for me, and the only thing that needs to be touched on the game, is second half, uh, one try apiece. Mm. If I Anthony Seabold, given the circumstances, the team we're playing, all those young kids, I want more points. I want yeah, us to be ruthless in the second half. And I think it was a real good building block heading into this week. But my message at halftime would have been 21-0. I want at least three more tries. Mm-hmm. You go on with this performance. Kick them to death, squeeze them, yeah. turn them around and just The last 20 up. minutes were hard to watch. Yeah. They, the game was gone. They got comfortable. and They they were good. Yeah. They Their opposition questionable. Yeah. But we're going to get a real good look at 
where uh, where the Broncos are at when they take on South this week. That's it. Sharks injuries. That's what we've already lots of young kids. Part of our set of six, Nikora, et cetera, all those kind of guys. It's just more the question of I hope this doesn't ruin their season because they haven't just got one long term injury. They've got three or four. Yeah, has the potential to at a big chunk of time, which is really going to hurt. So hopefully they can eke out a few more wins, but it doesn't get any easier for them. They're going to play the Melbourne Storm this week. So um, yeah, hard times ahead. Manly Raiders. Crack game football. Really enjoyed this game. Thought that didn't start off quite how Manly would have wanted it to. Their right edge got picked apart. Jack White went through quite easily. Then they just did a simple pass-pass and Croker tipped back into White and had a double in no time. It was almost 12-0. They were looking at Curtis Sirenen, lock on Croker, first game back in against his former club after a lot of poor um, injuries. And, you know, it's, it's blokes like that you just got to feel for at times. They just never seem to get on the field or never get healthy. But the way things turned around, the way that game ended up, I was really happy for lock and Croker against his old club, and he actually played some really good football. But mainly under adversity, coming into the second half down, to have Daly Cherry Evans go off basically right at the start of half and put in the effort they did, their forward pack was immense. Their bench was immense. The effort they got out of Martin Tapao, Jake Trebojevic, Curtis Sheeran, and Corey Waddell. Penrith would be looking at that one right now, I think, who was on a very, very small wage. And I know the players they had, sure, they could have found room for him somewhere. He's playing like an absolute world beater. The nice tip on player that he put on, for Marty Tapao is simply just a good footballer. Simple football. Things that people don't expect anymore. Get the ball a little bit with, bang, tip on. Taking the support to the line with your carry. Just taking attention away from yourself. When Cherry Evans went off, like I thought, they can't win. Manisi Fanu too. Fanu, excellent. Waddell, excellent. Jake just Chibuyevich. all over the park. And you know the big thing for me... Chibuyevich like, isn't having a do a lot, though. Like he, yeah, but you know, you know what I mean? Like, you he's know, doing everything that he needs to do. But for me, last year, he looked very frustrated. He looked like he was trying he to do too win. much. I get it. But he's still got that same passion to win. But he's just very focused on doing his job. And but you know, I, I just think that they're more composed. They look like they're more organised, manly. Their goal line defence is good. They yeah. back their defence. But the biggest thing for me in this situation, generally when you lose a dominating half, you put all the pressure straight back on the other half. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Farnu worked the ruck. The forwards laid a good platform. They got a couple of guys there that used to be junior 5'8s or a ball player. They all chipped in. They shared the workload. Jake basically is a 5'8 with his skill set. Curtis Sirian grew up playing 5'8. He had some touches. Corey Waddell, we played against him when he was playing club football and played some junior football. He's played some six. All those guys got involved and just worked around Fainu. Yeah. Fainu started everything off in the ruck, manipulated. They've got a good forward pack. They rolled forward. Tapio, et cetera, the Leeser locks of players, all played really, really well. And these other guys all just chipped in around it. And they played good eyes-up football. They trashed the ruck, and it felt like for a 20, 30-minute period there, they could almost score every set. They had Camber reeling on the back foot, and Camber really struggled to adjust after they lost Jordan Rapana and fixed up their back line defensively. They swapped, I think, Leilua, it was, to the opposite side of the field. Yeah. Oh, I can't really remember right now what happened in terms of the reshuffle. But they had to change up their centre wing pairings. Bateman went to one centre spot. Layla went over one side. Croco on a wing, etc. That kind of threw things out of whack a little bit. But the bigger thing for me, like you said, effort, intensity. They back their goal line defence. They play off the back of that. But as a pack and what he's getting out of that bench is outstanding. The short side play, when they overcalled it and Gazuski even put that one on for Suli when he called it like... Yeah, they're just they're getting a lot out of what people wouldn't have expected. Suley's, I know, still had some dramas this year, but he's playing better football. Brendan Elliott had a good game on the weekend. Garrick, like there's just a bunch of names you would have looked at at the start of the year and said, oh my God, this team's terrible, or this squad's terrible, and they're all... 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Contributing. So full credit to Des Hasler and the Manly team, but yeah, no for Noah Blake, no Tom, lose Cherry Evans to come back the way they did in the second half. Yeah, Canberra were scrappy, well, but yeah, uh, look, they were in a position to win it. Sure that's, were. That's the biggest thing, I think, for Raiders fans, and don't lose any solace out of that. I, I, I really think Manly are their bogey side as well. They... They don't have good, I don't, good I don't have the stats on it, but I know they don't have a good record against um, against the Seagulls. So, interesting week this week because it's a difficult game for Canberra just as much as it is for Penrith because Canberra won't want to lose back-to-back games and they won't want to lose a game at home. But they've got a very, very desperate Penrith and if Penrith bring that type of game that, that troubled South Sydney at the back end, uh, you know, I think it, it could cause the Raiders some troubles as well. Yeah, completely agree with you. Manly, uh March on, good result, and pulled themselves in the top eight nice and securely. They play the dogs. Interesting to see now how they play without Cherry Evans. This is going to be a good game. I'm, I'm, I know Cherry Evans being out's bad, but Manly Dogs, Des against Where's his old club. I'm um, pretty sure it's at Lotto Land. Okay. So, yeah. Look, it's going to be LG, I'm guessing. I don't know if he was dropped or he's injured for Croker to come back in, but I'm guessing it's going to be Croker and LG. Mm. Um, if not, they might have to pick an extra forward or put Siren on or someone in at six, but. If their forward play plays the way they do and they've got Manishi Fanu and work in the double nine situation, they're going to come up with points or be able to create enough if their forward pack does that kind of job again. But yeah, great win. Last game. Uh, this one for me doesn't need a whole lot of explanation, but Newcastle 28-14 over the Eels. It was simply a turnaround of attitude and intent. They came out and they finally did what you're supposed to do in a game of football. They had energy, they had intent in all their carries. They pushed on the football. They wanted to win the contact. They actually looked finally with what you'd expect from an NRL team, turning up to hurt the other side, get over the top and win all the simple contests. And it's funny what happens to your spine players when your forward pack lays a good platform. Because they laid such a good platform, Danny Levi, lo and behold, starts running the football, mm. carves them an absolute new one, gets out four or five times very early on and lays on one of the tries where he goes clean through the back of the ruck. Mitchell Pierce looks better because he gets to play flat and with some width away from the play the ball off, quick play the balls when they're off the back foot and challenge the line. Ponga looks more dangerous because he's got space and defenders backpedaling and he's able to go at them. And it just all comes off the back for me of simply your forward pack winning, which I don't yeah. think they've been doing for the first few weeks. Parramatta's defence was diabolical. They made a shitload of errors. I think it's a little bit of fool's goal for Newcastle. They were obviously more desperate. Parramatta having to travel post the Bank West flogging, all the I guess, excitement and enthusiasm out of that, then having to go up, play an away game. It was always going to be difficult, I think, for Parramatta to back that performance up. Uh, but Newcastle, the key word for me is consistency. I want to see it again and again and again. And if that's what they're going to have to do now in order to make the top eight. So let's just see. Yeah, I think for Parramatta, uh, yeah, they had their little periods there where they fought back into the game, tried to get themselves ahead, 28 at half time. They struck back and found a moment or two. But they looked a little bit flat off the back of what happened last week, considering that shellacking going up to McDonald Jones. Newcastle, all sorts of desperation, but 
defensively you're right that intent we've seen from Parramatta and that killer attitude that Newcastle found on the weekend wasn't quite there oh they just they made so many errors on play one and play two and just couldn't get out of their own way Parramatta mm. I think again maybe but some a lot of that's it. got to be credit to Newcastle I think their line speed was good just their I think their attitude was much better Newcastle 100% and that's why part of it like I said I think the players needed to take some accountability so it's good to see them step up on the weekend, but it means nothing if they don't do something about it again this week. So let's hope for the well, sake. Well, they're going to have to string together a couple of runs, Newcastle, in order to make the eight. So what better way to start now? They've got the Warriors, don't they, over in New Zealand? Yeah. Tough road trip. And the Warriors, especially the way they played last week, are going to be no pushover. So interesting game, that one. Most definitely. For Newcastle, like I said, good to see the forward pack do that job. Hopefully that continues. Um, and if that happens, you're going to see better from Levi, from Pierce, from Ponga, etc. all these guys. But, yeah, Lock and Fitzgibbon, Barnett, Clemmer, Garvey, they, there was some effort tries there and some moments were just pure effort. But you need to win contact. You need to want to be up for the contest, and they certainly were. So we'll see where they go from here. But we move on now to our fan questions. First one, Greg Bale. Says players backing in the defensive line and falling into a crash tackle and getting a penalty for it. What do you think? That one is a bit of onus on both. I'm talking about the Sam Burgess one. Ah, oh, this just it happens every week. Players turn into contact, obviously, mm-hmm. and try and keep backing their way back. And in a way, there's accountability on both sides. But I don't like the way they back into tackles to keep pushing in contact because generally, when you're in that situation, if you're going backwards and I just sweep to the side, I put you on your back. And you get an east-west and a slow play the ball if you control it. The problem is a lot of guys tend to obviously do that under tuck and want to sit him down with some of the legs. And you get put in that situation where you almost fold someone like a suitcase and get the neck in a, a bad position. Mm. But there's, there's onus on both sides. But for me personally, when I used to run the football, I never wanted to turn myself around. No. I wanted to make good first up contact and push if I had leg drive and then try and rip myself down. Or if I hit and I kind of felt like I was getting caught up, you're immediately trying to fight for your front. But I never turned and gave up because no. generally you feel like you're going to get put on your back. Well, way. naturally, they're going to try and push you back towards your own try line. So naturally, if you turn around, they're going to push you yeah. with your head down to your fist. Yeah. So you're not putting yourself in a great position. Mm. Uh, Mihor Maguire. Now DC is down. Are Queensland slightly fucked or completely fucked? Also, a shout-out to anyone in Amsterdam looking for some footy this weekend. The mighty Amsterdam Cobras will be taking on the Rotterdam Pitbulls in the first round of the Dutch comp. Dutch, yes. Yes. Uh, yes, gold member. Yes, that one was tasty. And speaking of tasty, two euros for beers all round. He'll be doing his best impression of a halfback. Good on you, Mihal. Mihal, love him. Good stuff. Uh, uh, they're in trouble. Well, we spoke about it before, basically. There's, there was lots of holes they were going to patch up with better players, and now we don't know quite what they're going to do. Mm. But they need some players to get healthy real quick or within that week or two out from... Uh, Origin being picked, a couple of players to come back so they can try and fill things in. But at the moment, where is game one? Is that in Perth or is it in Queensland? No, Queensland. Well, that kind of helps, I guess, somewhat. But if they pick the side that you're kind of looking at right now, I have some guys that are a bit underdone. I think it's Queensland. And Perth, New I South think. Wales get it right and win in Queensland. I think it may be a whitewash shoes if all goes. Yeah, you've called that early clean. on. But we don't know what's going to happen the next few weeks injury wise for New South Wales. Fingers crossed, nothing. Touch wood. As we're sitting here. Simon Peter, with Cronulla's history of poor financial management, how long do you think it will be before the Sharks are back in stress and relocation talks? I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Uh, Well, all the talk about the financial thing, I think, was resolved because they finally got money from that investment the other week. They're talking about a $40 million windfall that's finally going to come in. So that should see them stable for a long time. They've got a good group of kids. But you know what rugby league clubs are like. I get that. It's money. I just 
don't think they're going to be one of the teams that are going to be under pressure now they've secured that thing finally. That was the big... I think the biggest thing for Cronulla is they've got a lot of juniors and their junior league is growing. So I think that's going to be of a great advantage there. Junior rep sides have significantly improved over the last 10 years. So I think that footprint, it'd be very, very difficult for the NRL to justify moving the Sharks anywhere with the with the footprint that they have. Hmm. I just think, yeah, now that that's seemingly being secured because we heard so much about it Depends so Depends whether they're going to go financially or geographically. I just don't think anyone's been... Because if you're looking at geographically, it's got to be one of the inner city teams that goes. We already had this discussion. For me, no one's getting relocated. No, I, I, relocation is stupid. You, you either die because you run out of money and finances and then they put another club in or they give the license somewhere else and sell it. Or yeah, so probably to answer the question is that they, the only way they're going to... F- fall out as if they right fall over themselves. But right? I think they finally secured that money. So if they've just got $40 million in, we're going to be seeing the Sharks for a long time to come. Yeah, and they, look, they're going to have to find other ways because that money's not going to last forever. No, plus you get the money from the NRL now though, so they should be well and truly secured for a, yeah, well, a decent like to think so, but not many clubs run at a profit. No, they don't, 100%. Not disagreeing with you there. George Shembury says, forward pass is surely for pass goes forward. It's forward. Doesn't matter how it came out of the hands or momentum. Stop the grey areas. Paris first try and then another disallowed. Both very similar. Well, you do have to allow for the ball coming you know, backwards out of the hands when you're travelling. Like if you're travelling at speed and you throw something backwards, naturally it's going to drift a little bit forward. We're getting into biomechanics. But, well, exactly that. Yeah, yeah, no. It's true though. I'm just saying that. But uh, there is a difference between flat and forward or throwing like a blatant forward pass. But generally, when I'm moving at the speed of light and you're just behind me and I throw it backwards, naturally, it's going to have a bit of a curve forward. Yeah. It's just momentum. So, But yeah. I think there was a few bad ones on the weekend. I completely agree. And there's a few I disagree with. A lot of people weren't happy with the South try on the last tackle that Gagai threw off the ground. A lot of people thought that was forward. Mm. Some didn't think the Lomax one was forward. Me, personally, I thought it was flat. We both so thought it was okay. There, there was the first couple. try we're talking. My big one is touch judges. A lot of the times I see the touch judges make these calls, they're not even in line with it. They're behind. Or a yeah, couple. Like, yeah. How are you calling a pass if you're not in line with it? Agree. You're yeah. supposed to stay with the play and be able to watch the pass. Mm. And if you have any idea of how the game's played, if it comes out flat or out of the back of the hands, you should let it go. The, so. the best the best view, like you say, is to be the runner that they're passing the ball to. You, yeah, you've that's got to run that's with. the person who yeah. knows whether it's forward or not. And obviously, apart from the person who's thrown it, yeah. but the touch judge needs to put themselves in the position where they're in line with the player who has the ball and can get a good look at the line of the ball when it comes out of the hands. Mm-hmm. James Hughes says, do you believe the Broncos are in a rebuilding phase? I would Slightly. S- it's a slight rebuild, but it's more... I think like a reshuffle or a rejig of what they're doing. They've got a couple of guys there that I said about earlier that I think Seabold wouldn't want, to be honest, if he had the choice or wouldn't have them on the contracts they've got. He's decided that when he got there with the salary cap situation, they needed to let Maguire go to be able to keep those handful of kids, which I don't blame him for. I'd want to keep all those kids. And now you've got a situation like the one with Roberts, Nicarima, where you've got a chance to free, free up, you know, 500,000 possibly there and, 250, 300 there when you're in a situation when you've got Roberts and, say, Jack Bird, who Wayne Bennett gave 800000 to, with a centre pairing of a combined value of almost $1.4 million. That's ridiculous mm. when yeah. I've got Katani Stagg. So I think they're not so much rebuilding, but they're, they're reshuffling the deck in a couple of pieces to try and get this side to be the absolute best it can be and built for the future. If this all goes right and these halves pan out for them, they could have one of the best sides for the next two, three, four years moving forward if they get the contracts right and lock in this core group. But I wouldn't say it's a rebuild. A rebuild means some scratch. I think they can threaten now. But they've got a lot of young But young they've got young guys to develop. Like we, as we said last week, Flegler, how many games now? Five, six. Payne Haas only played two last year before he hurt his shoulder. He's playing like yeah, he's been playing. They're learning their craft. For five seasons, but 
Yeah. Brett Dawes, Cameron Smith with the origin comeback. Uh, we obviously heard murmurs about it earlier. From my opinion, I don't think he will. I think he, I think he will. With the way the side is going and the contract he signed and possibly only playing for one more year and saying that he was fully committed to Melbourne, I'd like to think that he wouldn't come back and play for Queensland. And no offence, I think all players do look at the situation that they're being faced with. I don't even think he would think at this point in time that he'd be able to make much of a difference for Queensland. I think he'll come back. Well, we're on opposite of that spectrum. Maybe it's just my Melbourne hat coming on, but I certainly don't want him to play for Queensland. Oh, if I was Smith, I wouldn't come back, but I, I, think, I think he will. Mm. Well, interesting how that one pans out. Paul Case says, great show as always. What's your take on the injuries happening during the warm-ups? I've heard some teams mm. are out there 40 minutes or more. Is this too long and causing issues? Yes, yes, This yes. is bloody sports science and yes. madness, my friend. They are way too long. They're, they're playing a half of football before they play the first half of football. It's ridiculous. Yeah, we've talked about this before, I think. Yeah. We've been through some crazy warm-ups in our junior rep times when we played. Yeah. Uh, I remember one of the first ones I did at Canberra, we almost spent exactly that, and we were doing like full-blown contact wrestling, yeah. sets of six, and I was cooked before I even got to sit on the bench. For the hypocrisy in all of this is is that the players then did a three- or four-minute warm-up after the Anzac Day ceremonies on the weekend. Mm. So the first warm-up should Points. have only been 10 or 15 minutes, if that, mm. and then you're going to have that top-up warm-up at the end of it. So uh, I don't understand how they justify it when they... Warm up for 40 minutes, then come in uh, for five minutes before kickoff. Then they're out for five, six, seven minutes while the Anzac Day ceremony is going on. Mm. You've cooled down. Yeah, I completely agree with you. The Fat Sportsman, does this PC world drive you crazy? Players getting a pat on the back for dropping a ball, laughing after losing a game, and the worst of all, the pushing melees. Yeah, the pushing melees are a result of banning the punch, which I guess is the, yeah, the negative... Of banning the punch, but I guess we had to after what Gallon did to Miles. But PC, yeah, it is a PC world. I'm over it. I, I, but I don't care about it. I'll just say what I think. And if people get offended, then that's their problem. The one, the um, one he's touched the pat on. on. The pat on the back for dropping the ball shits me. The the players putting their hand up in the air and saying one set shits me. Laughing and not after looking disappointed after the game. That, that pisses me, me off. That shits me to tears. I used yeah. to be filthy when I used to lose. Yeah. It ate me up all week. Yeah. We, were playing, we were playing kick softball at school today and I was filthy when my year 11s lost to 12. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, wouldn't you be? Yeah. Daniel Friend said, are you fellas heading up to Magic Round? I'll be up there. It should be a ripper weekend. Well, I wish. No, I wish, not. but yeah, same deal. I've got uh, another trip in the works for the back end of the year, so I need to save my pennies. We're going to head to Mudgee and we're going to head, we're heading down to Melbourne. So We've got a few small... We've got small, a few irons in the fire. Smooth little, uh, yeah, some smaller ones there, but yeah, a bit too... Bit too much for that weekend, unfortunately. But in the future, we'll definitely be going up. 100%. Scott Vanderwerf, if you were in charge of the NRL, what's the first thing you would change? Well, this is one we've answered a lot of times, like the Sinbin rule. Welcome aboard, Scotty. I don't think I've ever seen you on the questions before, champion, but I think we'd both agree it's a seven-tackle set. Yeah, uh, but I'd give more money to grassroots. Yep, well, there you go. There's two things you can change straight away. Chris Wood, after seeing so many knock-ons that have actually travelled backwards, do you think a change to the rule should be that any drop of the ball is a changeover. Definitely not. What I, again, another thing that irks me is just common sense. If the ball went backwards, it's gone backwards, it's play on. Just because players turn around and yell, knock on, that you know, doesn't mean the referee has to call knock on, which seems to be the case. Mm-hmm. There was a few on the weekend that were no different than the one where Ben Hunt threw a dummy to himself and fell over that the referees let go, but in that situation where it clearly went backwards, they decided to call a knock on. So, again, our officials should have a better grasp or a good enough grasp of the game and the rules along with the touch judges, to be able to see that that ball went backwards and just say play on. Correct. That's the most frustrating thing at the moment. Ben Matarens, is there someone at Cronulla to blame for their injury toll, i.e. trainers and high-performance team, or is this pure bad luck? Bad luck. Well, bad luck. Matt Moylan's happened in-game. 
Johnson's happening game, and he's had obviously had a couple of niggles. The Gallon chest injury was a result of a tackle. Fafita's one again fatigue in a game. Like there are things that just happen under fatigue in a game of football. It's a strenuous game. Aaron Woods' broken foot is not something you can blab on anyone else. Wade Graham's off an ACL injury that happened in contact. So um, yeah, all this is just a result of football games. And Josh Dugan had pulling out the hamstring this week. How's anyone surprised about that? He's injured every week after every single tackle, so I wouldn't be blaming the training staff for Josh Dugan's issues, that's for sure. Josh Reed says, do you think the slow play of the balls from less penalties is a positive or a negative? It seems like teams are struggling to bring it back off their own line and causing more lopsided possession counts. There you go. Uh, I think it's... The slow play of the balls are dictated to basically what we said by last week, referee's interpretation. If you win a ruck and you deserve to slow the play of the ball down and line up and tee off on the side... I don't have a problem with it, but when I think you're winning play the balls like South did last week, there should be more penalties and you should be getting helped in that situation. Yeah, I think you need but, more people officiating that understand who's won and lost a tackle. Yeah. Do I think it's a positive or a negative? At the moment, I've been pretty happy with the way the games have been officiated bar one or two, but teams struggling to bring it back off their line and more lopsided possession counts. I think that's purely a fact of teams getting better this year at keeping the ball in play and turning the screws, and we're seeing better halves with better kicking games force pressure on teams. I'm not putting that so much back on, you know, possession and being able to tee off on players because play the balls are, you know, key to set starts. Set starts come back to, again, what we talk about, some of these teams that have those big wingers. Look at Parramatta this year. How much is the difference has it made having Blake Ferguson and Mike Acebo compared to the year before? Mm. Set line or not, those kind of guys can absorb contact, get between defenders and get you quick play the ball. So I don't think it's all to do with, uh, you know, changes to the ruck. Matty Hunt said, who did you boys have for passenger of the week? For me, it's either Adam Blair or Josh Mansell. Ash Taylor by the length of the fucking straight. Well, there you go. Adam Blair, amazing stats in that game in Melbourne. He had one I think run. Even, I think even Matty Johns called out Ash Taylor and Ooh. said, look. Million dollars. What's he doing? Yeah. I've laughed about it plenty of times last year. I'm just well, quite right. I don't want to acknowledge him because he's not worth a million dollars. I never thought he was. I don't think at the moment he's a first grader. No, he's not playing like a first grader. Mm. And if anyway. it's injury, like you said, or it's form, go play Queensland Cup. And if he's injured, rehab, get him proper and get him back on the field. Yeah. Um, Adam Blair, how about this one? Matty Hunt brings this up. He had one run in that yeah, Melbourne game. It was, it was a, a try. try. Yeah, we were 13 metres. He made 40 tackles, mind you, but he did miss nine. So plenty of defensive work. But mm. from a back row who's on $600,000, I'd like to think you're going to touch the ball more than once in a game. He needs to get in and do some more, yeah. Yeah. So I think I might go with Blair on that one. Cheers, Matty. David Hooper said, thoughts on Maloney to Super League, any inside mail? I'm pretty sure we mentioned... Yeah, in inside mail, preview. yes. He's, he's been shopped. Well, not been shopped, but he's looking at trying to secure a... He wants to go to France. So. We've heard plenty of things. But it won't be this year. No. Nah, maybe at the end of the year or maybe at the end of next year. The but thing yeah, I've talked it's about... A, it's an iron in the fire. Is that they were pretty happy with Jerome Lua yeah. and that if he was able to secure the deal he wants longer term to go over there, he was really keen to go to the Super League, in particular France with a young family. Yeah. So make no bones about it. He's happy where he is, but he knows he's probably not going to get a deal after this one. So if he can get a long-term deal overseas... Catalan would be the target. Yeah, and Penrith won't stand in his way. No, nah. and that frees up money for them. And if they like Luai as much as they do, which is why they secured him, they push him in. I and think they also there's a little bit of that Maloney was a Griffin signing. Yeah, I think somewhat. But again, I think like most of the deals that he's had, he's got a deal and then he moves on, get a deal and he moves on. He's at the back end of his career. He's had a couple of injuries. I think he may be more motivated. No, but I think from Ivan's point of view, he's probably going, well, it's a fair whack of money to be playing for a guy who's not hasn't been super consistent. Hmm. We'll see what happens, but there's definitely interest to go. His best form, he's worth every dollar they're paying. Oh, 100%. 
Simon Farah says, NRL to clear up what deal South did with Greg Inglis and how it doesn't affect their salary cap. Well, I think we've talked about this one before. Well, we don't know the ins and outs of it, but look, he's retired. He retired. The money's off the cap because you have to agree to a mutual release from your contract. They didn't medically retire him. He agreed to be released from his contract. Clubs are kicking up a stink about it, but when they say this is unprecedented or it's never happened before, maybe the amount of money, but this happens all the time. When I went to Canberra, they gave a job to a bloke at the time, who I won't mention name, uh, who was playing first grade, who was injured, and to get him off the books, they just agreed to a mutual release and they gave him a job for a couple of years. I'm pretty sure when Todd Lowry retired the other year at Newcastle, they, they all get jobs. They put him straight to that 20s job to get him off the salary cap and yeah. they move the deal over. Like It's it's not unprecedented. Yeah. Everyone's blowing up about the amount of money they've just Well, up, in but... my time at Penrith, in the space of like 12 months, Dave Simmons, Kevin Kingston, Cameron Serraldo, uh, you know, that's just three off the top of my head. They're all retired and got jobs straight away. Mm. But what I'm basically getting at in this sense is it's not unprecedented. And the same thing I said the other week. Everyone's blowing up, oh, they've got this $1.4 million. Well, first of all, it's not $1.4 million. It's like 700 a year, which is a lot of money. But you're not going to get Greg Inglis again. Yeah. So have they effectively won? No. And if it's going to turn into James Roberts, as I said the other week, for $600,000, I'm not a fan of it. Mm. I like James Roberts, but not for that much money. And I think they've got players coming through and they've got other moves they could make. But Who are they going to spend it on now? Exactly. And that's the other point. That's, going, oh, that's they've my, got cap okay, space. So Who's available? Let's, no talk, let's take all of it away. I, I just don't understand why people are jumping up and down because there's no one to buy. And even if they got Roberts right now... Like and if they've lost Inglis, they deserve to be able to go out, get on the market and buy someone of his capability. And South fans, you let us know in the inbox or anywhere else, would you be happy with James Roberts on five hundred, six hundred thousand dollars $600,000? Because I wouldn't want to pay him that much money. Because I don't know what's going I'd to happen. I'd pay him five. Well, considering the injuries and the off-field indiscretions... If they could get him the right history. now, no, I'm saying if they could get him right now this season, I'd pay him five. Probably give him a two-year deal. Well, if anything, I think Brisbane would be. And he's keen. still going to be ahead of what you were paying Inglis. Mm. Again, long term, I don't. Now, want him. now, I'm saying yeah, if long, I get him right now, have not to... at the end of the year. I don't want him at the end of the year because nah. I think they're a very, very good chance this year of winning the comp. Yeah, and they get Burns back, and then you've yeah. got a bit of an option. But moving forward, how many years are you going to have to give him to get him out of Brisbane? No, how much I'd, money I'd are you going to give him? I'd only give him this year and next year. And I don't think he'd take that. So that's my whole point. But that's his. That's his. Call. That's up to the manager. I'd certainly him, be but... saying, "Yeah, look, this is what I'll give you." But yeah, I think he'd be on more than five hundred at Brisbane anyway. Yeah. If Brisbane wanted to pay a little bit and chip in, I'd certainly look at it as well. I think they you wanted... Know, if, if, if you said that we had to take the contract he's on at Brisbane and for argument's sake it was for this year and then two on top of it and they were going to chip in 500 and it was only going to cost us a million, then I probably would do it. I think they just want a clean swap and I think they'll get it because I think South of that came with Wayne Bennett and there's also links now to Matt Lodge as well. So he's after a couple of players that he's successfully worked with or well, helped out. Matt Lodge wants to come back to Sydney. Yeah, well... That's where his family is. Rightfully so. But moving on from that one, Matty Ford says, does, does it not annoy you boys when someone scores, refs touches, discuss it for like five minutes before deciding to blow time off, go upstairs and award a try? Would love to see a stat as to how much time is wasted there. Just a pet peeve, I guess. Yeah, agree. And it also, probably the area where I would make comment on that is that it impacts the amount of fatigue in the game. It gives players a rest. Yeah, I agree. While they're cocking around and talking and waiting. And, you know, the other thing that annoys me in that is players run over and argue and they're jumping down the rest throat, trying to tell them, you know, what to what to ask to look at. I, I don't like it either. Yeah. Christian Wynn with one that we've had plenty of times. A rule change you guys would make that would make the game more positive, one off and on the field. I think we basically said that before, didn't we? Uh, I think on the field, seven tackle set. Off the field, 
I would like to see the reserve grade be a true reserve grade. I'd like to see every NRL club have a reserve grade team. Yep. I wouldn't disagree with that. That'd be much better. I know they link in now and get some financial help for some bigger clubs, say like a Mounties and a Wente or whatever else, but you would like to see all of them in mm. and fully develop their own. Uh, Brendan Ross says, what are your thoughts on the refereeing in Penrith versus South? Looked like there was nothing in the Burgess crush apparently, which ultimately led to South scoring and winning the game. Yeah, I, th- I thought Burgess put himself in that position, Brendan. I, I, but you can't. to the letter of the law, they put him in a dangerous position yeah. and it had to be penalised. So it was hard. Yeah, it's one of those ones, like I said, there's onus on both sides. Mm. So you can't push back over and land on top of the head. So yeah. it's a bit two-way, but I don't know if it cost them the game. I think ultimately they defended their line outstandingly for the majority of the game, and the critical point was that extra set after defending for so long and then scoring at the end of the field. Uh, what do we got here next up? Shazil Shakes says, I'm looking at DC's injury as a potential blessing in disguise for Manly in long run. Our team is playing great footy. Defense has been mostly solid. If we can pick up a win or two in the next four or five weeks... We should still be in the eight with a fresh turbo and DC returning. Ford packs firing. How good is Waddell? Waddell's a gun. Yeah, I... Penner should never have let him go. I somewhat see where you're coming from, but they're not really coming back fresh. When you're coming back from an injury, you need to get form, game time under your belt, match fitness, those things you kind of struggle for. So if anything, I don't really want him having a long stint out and having to play themselves back into match fitness and form. Uh, on the, the flip side of that... For Tom Turbo, they've got no option but to finally let the hamstring heal because it's clear with three or four re-injuries that every single time they've pushed the envelope. You need the guy on the field. So just get it right. Take two extra weeks if you have to, especially the way the team's playing, and make sure he can play the rest of the season. It's a critical time for Manly because they're going to have Trebojevic out, DCE out, and there's only four games till origin. And you know that they're going to lose the Trebojevic boys, DCE at least. So I... I think Desi would be thinking, if we can go two out of four here, heading into Origin, that would put them in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Lee Turner says, how the media, Kenty, etc., are putting pressure on Parra to sign on their contract. Players, sorry, according to them, stars. I think Parra are playing it smart, not rushing to throw in big money out there like they always do and get into cap trouble. Your thoughts? Totally agree. Totally agree. I, and I said it earlier that Parramatta went from getting flogged by Canberra they flog West Tigers. They come out and get flogged by Newcastle. Their performances are inconsistent. Well, I, I don't blame Parra for that. I've said that. it before the other day. I think Arthur can be locked up, and I think there's one or two you can do now, but I'm not doing everybody. Everyone's carrying on about the number. Like, oh, it's 14 players. They but won the fucking spoon last look year. Look at some of the names that are in that 14 players. There's some guys there that aren't exactly being hotly pursued by other clubs. The only two I'd be really interested in talking to right now because they're key position players are Clint Gutson and Mitchell Moses. The Gutson thing, I agree that they have mishandled that. I think they've really mishandled that. Mitchell Moses, I don't know. The price that he went there on was apparently eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, but four. we both agree that Gutherson's probably only worth seven hundred. I think around that mark, yeah. But they didn't start there; they start at four hundred. Mm. That, that's fair. That's a fair point. Slowly eat their way up. I think they've mishandled that. Mm. Of the fourteen players, though, Michael Jennings, Tackering, a lot of these guys weren't good last year. And if I was going to talk to them now and potentially keep them moving forward, they're not getting anything close uh, to what they were on previously or what's been discussed. But, yeah, I'm not rushing for the other guys. I, I look at my spine players, though, that are young and got a bit bright future. I know there's going to be interest in them. Mm. So I think they have to address those two pretty soon. And the coach. Yeah. But I'd sign the coach. A lot of the other guys, yeah, I'm in no rush. I want to see how they're going to keep playing. Deliver. Keep delivering. Ian Stanmore. What do you reckon about Adam Kieran did to Kearney to the point where Kearney chose to play a back row forward as a starting half and Kieran Foran not even named in the... Uh, sorry. And Kieran not even named in the extended 20-man squad. Interesting. 
Well, the game that he got dropped after, uh, I don't think he played that bad. Their forward pack was absolutely disgusting against me, and they got tore apart. And as we said before, as a half, you can't do anything if your forward pack can't do anything. Yeah. So I don't know what's there's more. There's Kieran, more to it. Yeah, maybe he's just yeah. That, that one's really hard to figure out. But at the same time, no offense, to Adam Kieran, I don't think he changes the results I've had so far. But yeah, you definitely don't want to be iced out that quickly after you play the first three or four games have a very good debut and then suddenly you can't find yourself even in the extended squad. So, yeah, there, there is a bit of weirdness around that situation. Andrew Wales says, I may be playing for the Sharks on the weekend. All hands on deck. Really yeah. hope we can get well soon. Notice the Broncos dropped Nick Arima. I thought Milford was the one to drop personally and he's costing heaps more. He goes missing way too much. I think they both do. I think they both go missing, but again, with the dominant forward pack on the weekend, you could see... Uh, what Milford delivers they've invested heavily in Milford so clearly they can't do much about that mate I agree price tag wise he hasn't been delivering and for you blokes you need players back and uh, hopefully the win loss column isn't too bad by the time they all do get back Adam Chandler says hey Jonathan Thurston's commentary ruled him out of any chance of becoming an immortal so clearly he's not a, not a fan oh, I watch it on Fox League mate so I don't hear it yeah I haven't seen a whole lot of the Channel 9 stuff this year unfortunately Matty West hamstrings what the fuck there has been a lot of hamstring injuries, that's yeah, for sure. Not enough stretching, mate. Yeah, not enough stretching and not enough strengthening. I think a lot of guys do like front loading when they do their squats and stuff with their quads and glutes and other bits and pieces, but hamstring's definitely a, a fragile one, especially under fatigue in a game like that when you're changing direction and having blokes on you and twisting an extra weight. But uh, yeah, very, very common injury this year for sure. Matty Timbrell, another one who was pissed off with forward passes. He said, with a number of incorrect calls per round, how does the NRL fix it? Touchies don't appear to be in the correct position most of the time. Thank you. He's on board with that one. Uh, and when they have to make a decision, I reckon we see a dozen passes from dummy half that are forward and not caught each yeah, one. Yeah, I probably agree with that. Cannot agree anymore, mate. But the one that annoys me, and again, you look at a lot of them when they're calling these forward passes going into tries, they're like pulling out or stopping and holding up when the ball and the players a couple of metres past them. They cannot even see if the ball has gone forward. Like, keep running with the players if you were going to receive the football and you'd be able to tell if it was forward. Clearly, but... Yeah, touch judges need to do more. There's no doubt about it. Chris Benj, we need a buzz impersonation. Maybe his response to James Maloney's call-out. But, Jimmy, it's what I really believe. Ask Kenty. Mm. Well, Brock, what did you think about what happened with James Maloney today after I wrote my article about... the? Just, he doesn't look happy, mate. I thought... I thought Buzz should have rung him, mate. I thought he should have picked up the phone and rung him. It was poor form. Poor form. I rang his manager, Wayne Beavis, and I said, he doesn't look happy, Wayne. And he said, yeah. He should have rung his manager to he, ask for his phone number. He's not and happy because him. he's not winning. And James mm. is very disappointed about the story. He said it was blatant lies. But I stick by it, mate. I stick Wasn't by it. Wasn't it strange story. like Jimmy Jimmy Maloney's, he'd put it in his notes and then took a screenshot of it? I love it. He's so fucking tech unsavvy. Every but he's, he's awful. That, he's now. awful. Social media and he doesn't engage in it, which I love. He gets on the big sports breakfast. I love the big sports breakfast of a morning. He gets on there once a week. He's just, he's laid back, man. He doesn't care. I love it. You talk about PC culture earlier. He, he don't give a fuck. It's the best. Love he's it. It's great. I love the fact that every week he's they call him. What do they call him? Um, Dory. Dory. Because he, he just forgets, forgets stuff. Moves on. <laughs> it's, it's great. It's, it's the best awesome. attitude to have, especially yeah. as a half. You need to be able to just move on from a play. Yeah. There's nothing worse than a half that makes a bad play. Well, they talk about Tom Brady. And the great, some of the great quarterbacks, and when you, you know, do a lot of reading on the NFL and and what makes those players special, and they, the one thing that is pretty consistent throughout all those quarterbacks is the fact that they could throw an interception or have a bad play, but they go out the next play, it's totally behind yeah. them. They don't carry their divots Flushed. at all, and they just 
trust the process, trust what they see, and they throw. Well, he's thrown interceptions in Super Bowls and then come back out and been the MVP. So clearly it hasn't phased him or made him think well, he's lost Well, I was there for one of them. We, threw it, we took it to the house. And I thought, well, we've got him rattled here. And what happened next? Yep. Robert Thomas Vare says, random thought, after chain-watching some footy the other day, I went and had a kip and dreamt about playing, couldn't run, couldn't step, couldn't bloody do anything. For players that basically live and breathe footy, would they be going to bed dreading a dream? Because I can imagine they wouldn't dream it shitloads more than I would. It would be crap. Interesting. Very interesting. I like it. Robert, you're having better dreams than I am, mate. Random thought. That's good. That's a very random thought. We are random people. That's for sure. I don't know. I, I didn't usually used to dream or visualize a whole lot when no. I was playing, to be honest. Uh, my dream's generally a lot weirder than me playing rugby league. Let's put it that way. I slept better as a player. I don't sleep as well as a coach. No. I probably agree with that. Little, little control over it. There's a, there's a lot more things I think about rather than I used to be excited to play and I used to fall asleep yeah, a lot the, easier. The, it's easy to be a player. Also, when I was a lot more fatigued, I used to sleep a lot better as well. I used True. to sleep like a log. Uh, William Hellregal says, would you pay half a million dollars for Nick Arima? Also, what's your view on the Aussie media listing the Warriors as a B-list uh, in the NRL? I remember last year Greenberg saying that our game was of less importance than others in the same round. After and after the storm penalty this week, and the NRL VP admitting the error, Billy Harrigan quote is making the rounds again. It's our comp; they're not welcome in it. Is that a consensus in Australia? Are we generally viewed as a negative impact because of the travel? Absolutely not. I don't think any of those things. They'd be mad to move the Warriors on. I think, if anything, the majority of, particularly the media and fans, would think that New Zealand need another team. 100%. We need to tap into more of the rugby union side and combat it over there and do what we did with the under-20s when we started to poach players mm. and get a better foothold over there. If no, anything. I think that's a pretty medieval notion. Yeah. I don't think the NRL would think like that. And would I, pay I think half? if anything, we're going to see more international team. I think the sooner they can get Fiji in the New, New South, South Wales Cup, Cup. Yeah. like they have Papua New Guinea into the Queensland Cup, they could do it with the Cook Islands, they could do it with Samoa and Tonga if they wanted to or just have an Islands team. That's the way you're going to grow the international game. The only way you're going to grow the international game is to make sure that those players are playing at a higher standard of football consistently throughout a whole year, not just playing the odd test here and there against uh, those top nations because you know one or two games a year isn't going to be enough to develop them to get up to that standard. But if they're in those lower-tier competitions, that's how you're going to build it. Yep. Be there. And half a million dollars for Nicarima? No, I wouldn't pay it. Ah uh, no, not to play halfback. I just, I just don't want him. I wouldn't pay him. I wouldn't buy him. So the money is irrelevant for me. I, I wouldn't want him in my roster. Well, if I was going to buy him, if you're going to go from a club perspective, it's not as a halfback. It's as an impact player to play off the bench to play that fourteen kind of role. If you are going to buy him, you're going to have to pay five hundred or more. But I don't want him. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, fair enough. Ben Nobes. I don't want him, mate. Ben Nobes says, also for a footy-related question, second week in a row, Roosters came out lackluster in the second half and lost their lead. What's going on? Think they're getting a bit cocky, pun intended. No, I don't, mate. I was at the ground. It was magnificent, the SCG. To quote you, it was exceptional. It was exceptional. I absolutely loved it, Kenty. I'm, I've fallen back in love with the game. <laughs> That's what he said on Controversy Corner on Sunday. Outstanding. Robert Sim, if chickens became extinct, ha, oh, that'd be a nightmare for me and you. What meat should KFC swap to? None. I don't know if the herbs and spices would work on anything None. else, but I, I'd, Tofu. Bloody, I'd bloody eat it. Bread. Kentucky, Just start deep frying bread. A Kentucky fried batter, what else could it go on? I don't know. You ever have those... Um, they, look, send us a, an inbox if you know what I'm talking about here. But a porto, a porto used to have these... Bondo bites. 
No, not Bondi bites. They were these long, like, similar to um, cheese sticks that you can buy in America, mozzarella, deep-fried mozzarella sticks. They were, you know, as long as your finger. They were bloody And they had, um, like, a potato-y, risotto-y type. Yeah, no idea what you're talking about. Interior to them. Bloody hell, they were nice. Um, anyway, they've been off the off the menu for 10 plus years now. But if anyone can remember, I remember going there into Bondi when I was playing at the Roosters, playing um, SG ball at the Roosters, and we used to get them after training. Me and the old man used to grab them on the way home. All I can say is, Robert, don't ever mention chickens becoming extinct. Please. So a Porto, and I don't know what Not they were there. called. So inboxes, someone's got to remember them. Some, I must have been the only person eating them. That's why they came off the menu. Stephen Moorcroft, if you could get rid of a current side, bring back any old side, who would you go and who would you bring back? I'd get rid of the Titans and I'd bring him back the C, uh, the Chargers, mate. The Chargers, Brock reckons. Well, because it's a hypothetical, not one about relocation or teams getting flicked right now to bring back an old side. I don't really know. I really, I really wasn't old enough when a lot of the teams were moved on, to be honest, or kicked out of the comp. I'd probably bring back someone like the Bears or Newtown or someone random like that, but Newtown doesn't really have a spot to play in now or a stadium to go to. So maybe someone like the Bears if they relocated. In all seriousness, I'd get rid of one of the Sydney teams, probably the Bulldogs, because I don't like the Bulldogs. Oh. Um, and... You've done that twice. You're, <laughs> oh, yeah. you're lose we've, lost, we've lost all the Bulldogs fans. We lost a fan, we lost a fan because apparently you don't like the Sharks. No. Nah. But... No, I don't know. Look, one of the Sydney teams, okay? And I'd, I'd get Perth in. You got to be more careful about what you say in this PC world, right? You're offending people. Yeah, calm down. I don't like the Bulldogs. That's it. But I, I was a Roosters <laughs> I fan. Like I was I a Roosters like fan when uh, in '04. I was a Freddie fan, and the the Bulldogs ruined Freddie's farewell. That's why I don't like the Bulldogs. Cop that, Fred. <laughs> no, it is what it is. I don't. I don't hate the club. I look, just, look forward to someone else. I just have bad. Every time I see a Bulldogs jersey, I just have bad memories of that game. Well, I look forward. They to, won the grand final. I look forward so. to someone else messages just saying that they've lost all respect for us now because Brock doesn't like the Bulldogs. That's okay. Just like the Sharks. I really, I've got a handful of people who I, I need to respect me. The rest of you, I don't give a fuck. Still, really couldn't believe that one to be honest. But you know, <laughs> we love everybody. He still there. listens. It's just a joke. He still listens. Don't get offended. It's all jokes. It's all love. Darren Corn, would you sign Gutherson for seven hundred and fifty thousand? What is he worth? Seven fifty would be my absolute, absolute limit. maximum, and some yeah. of that would have to be third party. And we spoke about this before, though. If you're paying a million dollars for a marquee player and it's somebody in your spine, seven fifty in comparison. I think he's worth seven hundred. That's what I. The number that pings into my head is seven hundred. Well, if you told me I was going to spend that on a spine player, that's about eight percent of my cap. I don't really have a big problem with it if he's playing the kind of football he's playing. Ideally, you want to get your four spine players in at about 30% of your cap. Well, that fits in perfectly, thereabouts. If you get him and Moses on about the same money... I but I don't think from. Gutherson, with all due respect, is an elite fullback. I don't think he's an elite fullback. But again, marquee players or marquee fullbacks, your Tedesco's, Roger Tuovasashek, Tom Trevojevich, million-dollar players. The next tier under that would be your Gutherson. And That's I reckon what I'm he is worth yeah, 750 yeah, yeah. No, I agree. 000, I think so. he's worth seven. I think it's around that mark. Uh, yeah. Matt Greeno said, Gus Gould. Uh, I guess we talked about this mostly last week, mate, and this whole situation. I think everybody knows quite clearly now what's happened and what happened with Gus. He had his time in the sun. He'd done a lot of good things for the club. He helped him financially, rebuilt the junior paths, did a lot of good things, a centre of excellence. But at the end of the day, he probably meddled too much in the coaching side of things. The board cottoned on, took more control, brought Ivan back as a result, thinking that you know maybe that the first coach was the right coach. It secured... His son also, and he was clearly never going to win that power struggle once the board decided to bring Ivan back. Yeah. So I think that's basically the end of that story. And the last one we've got for tonight, Benny Nose has come back for a second one. People like giving us these ones, situations. Mm. He said, you find yourself in a fight to the death 
with an exact physical clone of yourself. Ha! Oh, Brock first Brock, mate, or Louis versus Louis. I'd hate to look at myself in a fight. That's a huge head. I'd be worried about breaking my hands. You've offered, you're offered a six-inch serrated knife for an aluminium baseball bat. Whatever you choose, your clone gets the other weapon. What do you choose? I'd take the knife because the bat's not going to hurt my head. I'd take the knife. Yeah. In yeah. the in the Game of Thrones, Spirit of Game oh, of Thrones don't talk last about night. It. I've watched it. Game That's of Thrones. For you. I'm going to wait until it's all finished and then try and watch all of it. Are you really? Yeah. Game of Thrones fans out there, unbelievable. <coughs> I'm going to... Unbelievable last night, mate. It hasn't caught on. I watched a little bit with you when you still bloody live with us. How long ago did it start? Started it in like 20, 2010. It's right. in the eighth, eighth season. It is fucking magnificent. If you don't watch it, if you think I'm a nerd for watching it, pull your head in, go and watch it. Oh. All I know is I haven't watched anything bar back then with you and I wasn't really cotton on. So I don't Okay. Know. It's only the most popular show ever. Ever. There you go. I wonder if Buzz watches Game of Thrones, mate. What See, do you think? I, I don't know, Brock. I don't know if he'd be a fan of the dragons and all the other bits and pieces. Plus, there's no sharks involved. If there was a shark, no he might be interested. I think he might be a fan of the Sharknado movies, but I'm not sure. Tara Reid, A-class actor. Absolutely exceptional. Mm. Radio. Someone's asking NRL CEO, who's winning and who are you captaining? We don't have captains. Yeah, we do. No, we don't, don't we? I think we do. I've been captain of people. Have you? I captained Cody Walker the other week when he scored a full bag. And who's winning? I think I'm on top. Yeah, you are. I'm doing good. Oh, I didn't change my team last week. I've got a couple of injuries that have crept in now. It's starting to hurt me. Rookie error. Starting to really Rookie really error hurt me. from Brock, mate. Didn't change my team. And I'm sorry, I've got one last one here that I forgot about in the inbox. Fan question from Pat Crosby. He says, I'm pretty sure the voluntary tackle still exists, so why aren't the rest blowing it when it happens? Darius Boyd is the worst offender. Knowing that he'll just get a hand put on him and a tackle is called by the ref, in my opinion, it sucks. Yeah, I agree. You say plenty in games, mate. It's very frustrating, but it's another one of these things that's not really enforced, unfortunately. Mm. So not much we can do about it. But Boxhead, a shite load of fan questions as always, but we've delivered for the fans, mm. as they like to say. In particular, Graham Wright out there, he likes a lorry daily. Player. Well, he's definitely right, not wrong. Player, team team player. Uh, moving on now to gossip and our tips brought to you by the Pro Sports Syndicate. Keep your eyes open for their package, which is absolutely killing it at the moment with the NRL tips for the season. Almost 30 units of profit. So looking at that box that we spoke about before, if you're betting $10 a unit, that means you're $300 ahead basically because, yeah, that's yeah, your unit per yeah, bet yeah, yeah. Uh, on the season. For them, their units are my unit, My unit would be about 20 so I'd be up... Six hundred. I'm ten or twenty dollars. I love their lines. I follow their lines. Yeah, their lines have been. I pretty... don't. The, the props for me is a little bit. I have to be betting more money than what I do bet. But yeah, the, if I look at them and I like a couple of lines, I, I'm molding them up. They're, now, they're going well, the boys. The hard thing is when we post the lineup generally for you guys, we're operating from the UK to Australia at times. If we give you one of those lines and it's not a winner. The only problem is sometimes we're getting it a bit later, a bit on delay. If we could give you all the lines, which is obviously what you get in the package, you'd see that on the weekend they had yeah. multiple winners. The one they obviously ended up picking didn't end up panning out too well, which was the Sharks yeah. with a four and a half start. But uh, other than that, 30 units of profit, an offset, yeah. $100 discount, which basically the first month of that free. Get your eyes open for Neds and all those other bonus bet offers. But yeah, they're absolutely killing at the moment, the boys. Those best bets will keep going. Those promo links will keep coming. Thanks for their support. And Mr. Gossip, like we said last week, we sent our condolences out there, um, obviously for the loss of his father. All our fans, we got some messages and things that were passed on. Really appreciate your support of Keithy. Great bloke. And as we also, said... Also, I saw a few messages sent through on NRL Gossip as well, which yeah. was fantastic. So it may not seem like <coughs> a huge gesture, but it would have definitely it's uh, nice. made him feel better. Like, yeah. It's nice to know that... A couple care. of minutes in your day make him feel 
you know, much better. So, and again, for those that did make the effort, really, really appreciate it. Like we said uh, last week to Keithy, uh, we spoke to him a little bit this week. Our thoughts and prayers are still with this family. Yeah, yeah, yeah love full support Legend. for him. But he's Mike, passed on. Mike's got to win. Yeah, he's passed on some gossip this week, and there is a fair bit. The first one, Matt Lodge does want to return to Sydney. Bennett is keen to secure his services. Yeah, so no surprises. Plenty there. of talk around South Sydney now. They've got a bit more free money, but originally the talk was that George Burgess may have been on the outer. Big offer from Parramatta. Do they keep him? Do they not keep him? He wants big money. Right. Particularly if it come down to George Burgess for six hundred thousand dollars on Matt Lodge, potentially on you know a little bit less, I might be keen to get Matt Lodge. Now Gus is gone, they could get him back to Penrith. He was a naughty boy when he left Penrith. He certainly was. <laughs> Gus said, "You'll never be back." Uh, interesting. Would you want him if you're Wayne Bennett or George Burgess? Uh, and the well, money. if I had to take either, yeah, I'd take Lodge. Yeah, younger. Oh. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's just probably got a little bit more upside. Fair enough. Cody Nicarima, according to Mr. Gossip, done deal at the Warriors four years. Wow. That's a big deal. Wow. It's a very long-term deal. So Have fun, Warriors. Yeah, if that's the case, that's a long-term deal. I do like Cody Nicarima, but not as my starting halfback. South Sydney, dreaming big, and will move heaven and earth to secure Latrell Mitchell. Doubtful they'll have any success. Politis will win that battle, says Mr. Gossip, and I don't blame him. If South Sydney are going to secure him, apparently... Yeah, he, he loves Greg Inglis. Yeah, I know, but he's, apparently his dad played there too. Wow, okay. But if I'm looking at both sides of the fence right now and what the Roosters have done for me and the whole setup, if I'm Latrell Mitchell, I want to play for the Roosters. Unless he's got boyhood ties to South, which he might because of his dad. That might be enough to pull the heartstrings and Plus, GIEs and guys there, the club. Yeah. So who knows? But I dare say exactly what he said. If Polite, if you want to get into a fight with Politis as far as cash and everything else is Well, he's won a comp at the Roosters. He'll move heaven and earth. He's already won a comp. I get that. He's won a World Club Challenge. If they're going to move heaven and earth, I dare say that bloody Nick Politis will do the exact same thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I also think the coaching situation, no offense to Wayne Bennett, I think he's a great man manager as yeah. well. But apparently Trent Robinson's just got this down to an art form. They know when he's off. He likes to go home. He doesn't really like the big city. He goes to Tari a lot of the weeks. If you see him on Instagram, I think he just does a great job managing for his own sake and his own career. I don't think he could be in any better spot. I'd that's, be shocked if he left the Roosters. That's not a knock on South. I think they could do just as good a job. But I think Trent Robertson is the coach for him during his career. He needs to stay with Trent Robertson. Agree. Wayne Burnett to me is a couple of years at South. Then he's gone. Who's next? Who takes over? Does the environment change? I, I like him where he is right now in the environment with that playing group. Yeah, me too. Des Hasler. According to Mr. Gossip, he's super confident that Gutherson will be back at Brookvale. Wow. I still am confused as to how this works uh, as far as fullback, 5'8", Tommy Tworovich, go play six. I don't know. With the hamstring injuries, it's probably not a bad thing for you know him to move into the front line. But at the same time, I think he's so effective from the back, I'd rather him play there. Yeah. And I've paid him to play fullback. So that one's interesting for me. I don't know if I'd be able to pay big money to fit Gutherson back in unless he was playing fullback. Yeah, where's he going to play would so, be my question. Awkward one. Happy Coruscant, I was mentioned before, apparently being chased now by the Panthers and the Bulldogs. So despite that no apparent surprises. extension that he was supposed to get at Manly and him himself saying he's got an extension, there was also murmurs I got this week, separate to this mail, that the Tigers were keen because obviously Michael Maguire had a relationship and used him in that grand final when they lost Isaac Luke. And they need a nine moving forward. So people sniffing around Coruscant and I'm sure he feels the pressure because Farno is playing outstanding football. And there you I go. think that would have more to do with Farno than the other clubs. Yeah, I'd 100% agree with you. Mm, he'd be looking to move. There is your gossip for the week. Thank you to Mr. Gossip. And we get into our tips from last weekend. Boxhead, we both got five. Mr. Gossip got four. You two are both equal on 33. I'm now last on 32. Things looking a little bit well, better. You're one behind, mate. Best bets. You had a winner last week, but we're still not doing the best. Two oh, we're going all right. Two from 14 and four from 14. 
Yeah, we're down. I'm going to work it out into into monetary value by next week. Fair enough. We'll see how we go. How we go. But we'll jump in our tips for this week. Brought to you by the Pro Sports in it. Keep your eyes out for their package, their best bets, and all those promos. First game: Rabbitohs Broncos Thursday night. Absolute blockbuster. For South, there's no changes to the lineup that won last week for the Broncos. Tommy did, and as we know, the 18-year-old comes in to replace Cody Nikarima as the only change. And with that being the case, big occasion to play your first game against one of the table-topping sides in Sydney. I'm going to stick with South, but I think there's a real element here, especially in the centres, where they've been exposed by a couple teams so far, particularly Kyle Turner's side of the field for the Broncos to try and go at them if they can match them in the middle. But I'll stick with South. I'm going to go Broncos. Go on the upset. I think South are ready to lose. I think they are as well. But I uh, just brought an 18-year-old halfback in. I do like the kid, but it's a massive ask this week to play your first game. So I'll skip that one. Uh, and Mr. Gossett, he is on board with South as well. And the odds with the Pro Sports Syndicate, dollar fifty-two for South, two fifty-five for the Broncos. Minus 5.5 the line, 1-12 to South, two ninety-three eighty for the Broncos. 13 plus South, two eighty-five six fifty for the Broncos. Cowboys, Titans, with the way things have been going the last couple of weeks. <sighs> Cowboys tomorrow, Martin, obviously, um, is out, unfortunately, with that injury. All the best to him. Jordan Carr, who goes back to fullback. They've got Tom Opechak called back in to play in the centers. Tom Malolo is again named in the reserves, but we don't know if he's going to play. Titans, several changes for Garth Brennan. Jared Wallace is back. Moeaki Fotuaka drops to the bench. Philip Semi is in on the wing with Dale Copley out how, injured. How the fuck does Fotuaka get dropped to the bench? He play, He's played enormous the last two and weeks. And he's only 19, the kid. He goes all right. AJ Brimson is back on the bench. And Jai Whitbread and Jack Stockwell. Well, made the, the wrong side. changes. Ash Taylor should have been dropped. Brimson should have come straight in. Put Roberts in the seven. Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with you. Far out. All right. It's, I don't know. Can I tip no one in this game? Because they both suck. It's at North Queensland. So yeah, I'll go Cowboys. With that I, being I don't the case. Know. But I'm, yeah. I have I'm, no idea. Jordan Carhu to me, is not a fullback. I play him in the centres or on a wing, and I put Ben Hampton in the fullback. Ben yeah. Hampton's still on a wing. Yeah. I need mean, a ball you, player. You may, you see, that. Speed. You may you, see that shuffle. I, I agree. Carhu's a solid player, but he doesn't have speed or impact. Ben Hampton can dart around. He's quick. He can pass. Like Put someone back there who's at least no, dynamic. It's an absolute toilet. And Greenfield's still starting at nine. Yeah, ridiculous. Because he's playing like a bastard. Minutes, he, he made a couple of key errors in that game on Friday night, Jake Greenville. Looking at this right now, the way he's named this side... Kahu would be one of my centers. Opachak would either be in the side or not in the side at all. Um, and then O'Neill, like on a wing, like I don't see the point in that. He's either a center or he's not playing. Oh, I move on. We've through. spoken about this too long. So I'll, I'll Cowboys. go Cowboys. Just home. Again, I'll go with the home team in a 50-50 game. Mr. Gossip, going the upset with your mob, the Titans, with the Pro Sports uh, Syndicate. Cowboys, $1.70, $2.15 for the Titans, minus two the line, one to 12 Cowboys, two eighty three twenty for the Titans, 13 plus. Cowboys 375.75 for the Titans. Sharks Storm at Shark Park, or better known now as Points Bet Stadium. The prison. Looking at this one, yeah, the prison, we love it. Shani Katoa comes back on the wing after missing the last two games, and Ronaldo Mulitalo goes into the reserves. Kyle Flanagan comes in at 5.8 for Sean Johnson. Britt Nakora back in the back row from suspension for Melbourne. Just one change with Nelson Osofa-Solomona starting this week and Welch goes back to the bench. Storm win easy. Yeah, with all the young kids in. Um, I, I'm going to have this as one leg in a multi. There you go. Storm, $1.40, stealing got, money. 
clean sweep here on this one. We're all on Mr. Gossip as well. The Pro Sports Syndicate, dollar forty for the Storm, two ninety five for the Sharks, minus six and a half the line, one to twelve Storm, two ninety four dollars for Cronulla, thirteen dollars two sixty five for the Storm, seven dollars for the Sharks. Raiders Panthers. This hopefully will be a cracker game of football. Raiders, Jordan Rapana's out with that rib injury. So Bailey Simonson, the young man who debuted week one and scored a try against the Titans, comes back in to replace him in the wing. Hudson Young and Corey Horsberg have come back in to swap with Murchie and Emre Gula. So again, he's still working those young guys on and off his bench to build up a bit of experience. Five and two, hoping to bounce back for the Panthers. Ivan Cleary, same 17. Not surprised given they were very, very close. Oh, we'll go Raiders. Again, 50-50 game. I'll go home team. Go and do it, mate. You're going to go the Panthers, mate. I just... I, I don't know what it is, Brock. I've just felt like they... I've got to tip him because I bagged Maloney out. Now I think he's going to come out and have a barnstorm. <laughs> I, I felt like they were going to get the job done, mate. And they defended a bit better and their attack was better. But the Raiders on the weekend, I thought, defensively with that reshuffle, struggled a little bit, mate. So I look at this now. But going back down to Canberra, it's a hard-ask daytime football. McDonald's Park. Hold on. Is this a country game? McDonald's Park. I don't think that's Canberra Stadium. Let me have a look, my friend. So, yeah, I don't know. This is... Oh, it's a big ask. It's it's in Canberra. I'll, I'll stick with the Raiders, but I bloody want to tip the Panthers. I really do want to tip the Panthers. I just get the feeling, a bit like Brisbane, that they just they need to win. They really need to win a game. But we're all on the Raiders. Mr. Gossip's on there as well. Pro Sports Syndicate odds, seventy-three for the Raiders. 210 for the Panthers, minus one and a half. Is a line. 1 to 12 Raiders is 283. 15 the Panthers. 13 plus the Raiders. 4 dollars 525 for the Panthers. Wagga. There you go. In that case, I will stick with the Raiders. Because that is one of the hotbeds where they get some. Wagga, Wagga. Wagga. That's a Berkery special you just dropped there. Wagga, Wagga. Uh, Doggies versus Manly at Lotto Land. This should be a good game. Daly Cherubin's obviously out. Kane LG comes back into partner. Lachlan Croker in the halves, and they have a debutant, Abbas Miski, who has played for a couple of New South Wales Cup teams, gets his first grade debut. He replaces George Tafua's out with a calf injury. Adam Fanua Blake is back from suspension in the front low, and Tolfo is simply to the bench for the Bulldogs. Steady for them this week, uh, naming the same starting side. The only change is on the bench where Farmanu Brown comes in for Chris Smith, Kieran Foran, and Dylan Napa, both named among the reserves. Hmm. This is a hard one for me because you look at it now. Uh, Where's it at? Is it it's up? at Lotto Land, but Lotto to have a debutant, another debutant in the back line. So look at the back line now. I know, like I said before, they're doing pretty well. But Brendan Elliott, Abbas Miski, Moses Sully, Brad Parker, Ruben Garrick, Lachlan Croker, Kane LG, one to seven. That's a big ask. I think Manly's forward pack will just destroy the dogs' forward pack. I'm going to tip Manly. Go Manly. Manly. At Manly. Go Manly. Again, 50-50 game, home team. I'm going to go purely home as well. The 5.30 thing, I was going to say, if it was a nighttime game, uh, yeah. Well, it will be nighttime by second half. Fanua Blake, Tapia, Thompson, Sirian and Travojevic, Fainu, Kazuski, Waddell, Sipley. Yeah, I think the forwards, like you said, that, that'll be the spot. But, mm, yeah, all of us are on the Eagles. Mr. Gossip as well. With the Pro Sports Inc. at seventy-seven favourites, 205 for the Dogs. Minus one and a half is the line. One to twelve manly two eighty three fifteen for the dogs thirteen plus four dollars for manly five twenty five for the dogs roosters against the tigers SCG last game on uh, Saturday night for the roosters couple of changes Luke Keir returns to number six 
pushing Lock and Lamb back to the reserves. Victor Radley goes to Lock uh, from uh, to Hooker, sorry, to replace Friend. Isaac Liu is back to slot straight at Lock, so they cover up those holes pretty well, which means that Nat Butcher, Tedavano, Tupanua, Mitch Orbison are on the bench, so still a very strong lineup. On the Tigers front, big news for them. Benji Marshall back after missing the games with those hamstring injury. Slot straight back in. To replace Reynolds, the other change, Luke Garner returns, and Paul Momorowski's named in the reserves. Russell Packer, who was dropped last week, is also in the reserves. Uh, this one, I think, Roosters, is and that's going to be the second leg of my multi. Stick with the Roosters. Storm, Roosters, I'm just going to fill up. Fair enough. And Mr. Gossip's on board, too. $1.22 with the Pro Sports Indica for the Roosters. $4.25 for the Tigers. Minus 12, the line. one to twelve, $2.90. Roosters, $5.25. Tigers, one ninety. 13 plus for the Roosters, $13 for the Tigers. Dollar radio I'll get for that multi. New I'll Zealand, take it, mate. New Zealand up against Newcastle. It is in New Zealand at Mount Smart Stadium. Roger Tuivasa-Shek has been named to return from his injury, allowing Peter Hiku to go back to the centres. Fussy Tua also returns, which puts Jared Beal back to the bench. Blake Green is at halfback, allowing Harris to go back to the back row. Adam Blair to the bench. Jazz Tafunga is out with a calf injury. So I've still got questions though when you look at the reserves here. Hayes Perrin was in for cover for fullback 5'8", and they've still got Solomon Carter there in case something happens with Roger Tuivasa-Shek to possibly go back in so Hiku can go back. So I don't know what's going to happen there. No, On gonna... the Newcastle side of things, no surprise. Unchanged because they won last week. Yeah, I'm pushing all in. I'm going with Newcastle. I'm going Warriors 50-50 game. I'm going home team. Yep. I don't blame you for that. Mr. Gossip. I still want to see a little bit more from yeah. the Knights. Fair enough. Mr. Gossip's with you. He's on with the Warriors. The Pro Sports Syndicate. They are a $1.55 favourite, two forty five for the Knights, minus four and a half the line. One to twelve Warriors, two eighty five, three seventy for the Knights, thirteen plus Warriors, three dollars six twenty five for the Knights and the last game of the round. Just want to see more from him, mate. <coughs> Para versus the Dragons, and I apologize for that. We're cough. going out to this game. Should be there at the new stadium. Check it Should out. Should be. We fucking will be. Daniel Alvaro has been named to start after missing last week the concussion. Penny Terrapo drops back to the bench and Raymond Stone goes to the reserves for the Dragons. Ravalawa is back on the wing. Lomax goes to the centres. Aitken goes from starting centre to the bench. So it looks like Paul McGregor may be listening to the fiends yeah. of our show who are very, very angry about the Dragons. Blake Laurie starts and Jacob hosts on the bench, although Paul McGregor switched them last week. I'm going to tip Para just because it's at Bank West. Mm. But I like the Dragons. I like the way they've been playing as well. And I think last week was a bit disappointing. Um, yeah, this is interesting. I'll go the Dragons, but not with a whole lot of confidence. And I think last week took a little bit out. But the big thing here for me, short turnaround for the Dragons last week. They're coming off a 10-day rest. And I think they needed it. Yeah, so, that's big. Expecting them to come here fresh, fired up, ready to rock and roll. And this one very, very close for the Pro Sports Syndicate. A dollar eighty-eight for Para, a dollar ninety-two for the Dragons. Minus one is the line. One to twelve eels, two ninety, three oh five for the Dragons. Thirteen plus eels, four thirty-three, four seventy-five for the Dragons. I'll take um, second, second of my best bets. Eels minus the one and a half, dollar ninety-six. So you got Storm Bruce's a dollar eighty. Yeah. And what do you want, Para? Para minus one and a half, or minus one it is at a dollar ninety six. Like you. Mm. For me, this is... Uh, You're struggling this week, mate. I'm having a look, mate, and I, I, I just don't like a lot of the lines. I don't like 
some of these games head to head. I think it's quite unreliable, and I'm not too confident. That's why I'm going the top two teams and the team with the best home field. That's my theory this week. It's not a bad idea, Brock, mate. I don't I mind where you're coming from in that circumstance. I think you've made a smart decision. Mm. I really do, mate. My record would suggest I haven't, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah fair enough, Brock, mate. Oh, I'm hurting this week. Yeah. Most weeks I've usually got something I jump straight into. Yeah, you do. Usually well ahead of me. But you're not tonight, mate. You're a little bit off the boil. You may be um, coming down with the flu. I've got a bit of a cough. It's been a long day at work, and I'm a bit rattled as far as who to tip, mate. And my best bets last week, I was fairly disappointed with myself. I expect better. <laughs> mate, gambling's a fucking mugs game. Try win combos have usually been my bread and butter. We'll do it. So I'm trying to think of somebody. Somebody I like in one of these games to crash over somebody. Who's running at Ash Taylor? Uh, that's a fair point. The only problem is I don't trust the Cowboys. So, mm. Well, given what I've just said and two of the teams I've tipped, I don't really have a lot of confidence in either of these, but if I was going to have a tenner on one of them, I'm going to take the Dragons 1-12. Yeah, if they're winning, they're winning 1-12. I think that'll be a close, ugly game, considering. Yep. Um, What's your next one, mate? What do I get? For? I get 305. I'm going to take Newcastle 1-12 to too. I think if they win, they can win by 100. I have zero <laughs> the confidence. The Warriors are either really tight and win or they just get fucking... Well, the other one I kind of looked at, to be honest, was just because the prison is Storm 1-12 to or Penrith in Canberra. Penrith 1-12 is not a bad bet. But, yeah, there's a, there's a few there. I'm not really confident. But any of those, I think there could be an upset in one of those games. So that's what I'll go with for this week. But okay, done for another week. Hefty, hefty show. Plenty of content. All the good stuff as usual. Thanks to Penrith Solar Centre for supporting us as always. Remember, get in contact with them if you're looking for a system. There's no better way to save on your power bills. www.penrithsolar.com.au or get in touch on 1800 20 29 30 and the Pro Sports Syndicate. Look at the links on our page for the package, the discount there. They're killing it this year, the boys. 30 units of profit. Absolutely smashing it. So for them, they're $3,000 up because they bet in $100 units. If you bet $10 ahead like I do on most games, you'd be ahead $300 on the year. So big thanks to the Pro Sports Syndicate. And most importantly, big thanks to you, the fans, the listeners, the people who love rugby league and two blokes who just like to jibber about the great game. Get onto iTunes, rate, review us, send us your fan questions at any time and keep loving your rugby league and the show. We appreciate your support for now. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.